Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to Jim Carrey Month, or let's just rebrand it. Welcome back to Jim Carrey Oz Network. Uh, From this day going forward, as we are slowly making our way through all of his films, we'll eventually get back to Earth Girls Are Easy and... uh, what was that other one that he made that I talked about? The uh, one's bitten. Yeah. Um, that weird murder one that he did that everybody forgot. That weird murder one that everybody uh, forgot. Number 23. Yeah, those are the pilot episodes. Uh, <laughs> those will be released on Patreon. But uh, we are up to The Mask, the other of 1994 films, or I guess one of three 1994 films, the one right in the middle. This is the filling of Jim Carrey's 1994 sandwich. Yum. Yum. Yummy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this movie, uh, of course, based on a comic book that uh, I think for the first time we've ever covered a comic book on the Oz Network, I have no familiarity with. Um, but from what I've read, Welcome it's very different from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ben for a change. Uh, but uh, th- th- this, uh, I guess, was made before the Ace Ventura came out. Um, but uh, obviously, he was able to capitalize on Ace Ventura's success. And uh, I've got... Some great memories of not being able to see this movie for a while when it came out, which I'll get to in just a few minutes. Uh, let's start off with, my name is Colin, someone with red hair, full pouting lips, white blouse, red jacket, and a name tag. And my name is Ben, and uh, you got me, partner. E, I, ooh, ooh, I, e. Hold me close, Red. E, it's getting dark. <laughs> Tell RDM to let old yeller out. <laughs> Tell Tiny Tim I won't be coming home this Christmas. <coughs> Tell scholars I do give a damn. <coughs> oh, pardon me. <laughs> Thank you, you love me. Thank you, you really love me. You love me. You really love me. <laughs> um, as I unplug my headphones, <laughs> my applause was that animated. I, I was doing a full Jim Carrey style. Whoa. Very cartoony. Uh, the Mask, this uh, is a, a movie that uh, came out, as I said, after Ace Ventura, pre-Dumb and Dumber. Uh, Jim Carrey was paid pennies on the dollar for this. It's kind of funny that people always say, that, like, oh, Jim Carrey was like a nobody actor when Ace Ventura came out. Because I guess he was a nobody when we got hired for Ace Ventura, but there was obviously some buzz around him. Uh, I don't know when In Living Color ended or when he actually left the show. But the fact is, you can say whatever you want about he wasn't paid much for this movie. There was no expectations until Ace Ventura became a hit. But... He had the starring role in two movies, one of which, this one, had a pretty decent-sized budget with a lot of effects. I mean, there was obviously some faith in him at the time this movie was being made, but uh, I I just remember after Ace Ventura came out, just the Jim Carrey explosion. And it was probably, like, within a couple weeks where 
the mask had already filmed and everything, but within a couple weeks, there was these announcements like Jim Carrey's got another movie coming out. Now that Ace Ventura is a big hit, this movie, the mask will be coming in the summer. And here's our first look. And then right around the same time, it was like Jim Carrey's going to be paid $7 million for his next movie after that dumb and dumber. So, I mean, the success of Ace Ventura, we really can't sell how big that was. And then how much, I, I can't even imagine how much extra marketing budget they probably threw into this movie when it came out in 94, because this is like the summer of 94, maybe the biggest year ever for blockbusters. We'll mm. get to the box office at the end here. It's, it's just insane. But uh, uh, this movie was such a big deal, despite the fact it wasn't necessarily like Forrest Gump, Lion King dollars, that my first experience with this was wanting to go see it opening weekend. Uh, the friend that I had gone to Ace Ventura with was going to a place that he was on the other side of the city. He was going to a place by his house. I had nobody to go with. So I'm like, I'll go to a movie by myself. My mom let me go by myself. I bust downtown. And I remember standing outside a movie theater that had a lineup. They always talk about those old days, lineups around the block. That was literally what it was. And it was all for the mask. And after a while, I realized there's no way I'm getting into this movie. So I <laughs> took my return bus fare and went home. And uh, it was probably, I don't know, a week or two later that the friend who had seen it on the other side of the city said, I will definitely go see this movie again. Just come sleep over at my house for the weekend. We'll go see The Mask. That's what we did. We saw The Mask. Uh, and uh, I mean, that that was it. That was my second Jim Carrey experience with the same friend. Uh, and there'll be a third one. The same friend ended up being there for all three of those uh, first three movies we're going to be covering this year. But uh, weirdly enough, though, this isn't a movie I ever owned on video. It's something that like I would occasionally rent from the video store. I'd watch it was on TV. But it wasn't quite like Ace Ventura. Maybe it was just I never found a decent copy of it. Uh, I was never able to record it or whatever it was. But this wasn't something that I always, uh, always went back to. And last time I saw it was probably, I think, like you said, 10 years ago. But I had even less familiarity with it. And I've I got to say, I'm, I'm, I'm always impressed how well this movie holds up for something that should be very painfully 90s. In, yeah. in a good way, I say, in a very good way, I say Ace Ventura is very painfully 1994. This movie feels like something you could release today with no changes, barely even changes the special effects, and it would probably be just as big of a hit. Yeah, completely agree. I was also a bit worried there for a fact that two things that uh, you went back a week later, that's how long the line was to the movie. Uh, <laughs> and secondly, your friend uh, sleeping over at the house. This was like a, a friend of age, right? This isn't just like the local, you know, like, like yeah. the Ben Waterworth of the neighborhood, the local friend come sleep over this at my house, right? Yeah, this this was the guy with, with the 5 o'clock shadow in front of me in the line. Well, if you don't get into this screen, then I'll get you in next week, kid. With some candy in a van, um, <laughs> j just just in case. Yeah, I'm, I, I've mentioned a couple of times, this is the only one of these four that I ever saw at the movies, and it, it all literally came down to my dad hating Jim Carrey and my grandma being awesome um, because my I'm, I'm sure you had it as a kid. Your, your parents would go out, so... You know, you had your designated babysitter who you'd go stay with. Um, and it was always my my grandma. So, you know, on a weekend where my parents had something to do, like they'd go out, they'd have a life. You know, my sister and I would go spend the weekend at my, my grandma's. And I'm pretty sure this was a weekend where it was just me. I don't know where my sister was, but I'm pretty sure it was just me because... It, you know, you would often, you'd go to Nan's house and, you know, sometimes you'd get takeaway on a night you weren't meant to get takeaway or you'd do something that your parents wouldn't let you do usually because, you know, grandmas are cool like that. And sometimes we'd go to the movies. And this weekend it was like, oh, do you want to go to the movies? Ben? I'm like, yes. It's like, oh, what do you want to see? And this is, you know, like a, a woman at that point would have been in a, a what? She would have nearly been 60. So she would have been 59 if my calculations are correct. 
And you tried selling a Jim Carrey movie to your grandma <laughs> as a seven-year-old, but it works because you're seven. You can get away with shit. You can yeah. do like you can ask for whatever you want. You're seven. The world is your oyster at that point. So we went and saw the mask. And I don't honestly know why. Like I, I don't know why I wanted to see this movie so much because I hadn't seen Ace Ventura. I wouldn't have known who Jim Carrey was. But obviously, marketing as a seven-year-old, seeing ads for the mask must have worked because my dad wouldn't take me. So therefore, I went and saw it with my nan. And I remember loving it. Like, I remember being seven. And it was one of the very first movies I remember seeing. I would have seen movies before this. But it's just one of the most, I guess, vivid experiences I have of going to the movies. And then, as I said last week, it came on TV a couple of years ago. I taped it. I mean, I, I watched it so much that even in watching this last night, I can tell you where the commercials were. Uh, like I can, like I, I had, I think I had paused and like, so I'd edited the commercials out, but they did this weird little animation. I think it was on channel nine here. And they kind of did this weird little, an- where the, the words like the mask came up, like you see at the beginning and they played like this sound effect of like, going like, uh, 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 like some weird mask sound effect. So every time a certain scene comes on in this movie, I'm like, and commercial break and commercial break. Like I just, I could tell. And yeah, I watched this to absolute death. Um, I think I worked out the last time I would have seen this. I did watch this on a plane probably within the last like six or seven years. Maybe not quite ten, but it's been a while since I've watched it. Um, but yeah, I mean, just every time I watch this movie, I get taken back to that period. And I agree, it's it's it holds up ridiculously well. I mean, I'm sure you'll touch on like the special effects and they sort of made jokes that they saved a lot of money because of Jim Carrey and how animated mm-hmm. he is. But yeah, like for a movie that is 30 years old and of, I, again, I don't know Man of the Moon, so I don't know if there's special effects in that film, but this would be the most special effects heavy movie of the four that we're doing this month. The special effects hold up ridiculously well. Like so much of this holds up very, very well. And we live in this age of comic book movies where we've got comic book fatigue I mean, this is one that you could release today and it's almost like a Deadpool-style movie where it's kind of, you know, it's a bit not a stand. This wasn't Batman. What Batman was the the King comic book movie back in 1994, wasn't it? So a little mm-hmm. bit different, a little bit fun and holds up very well. And a lot of jokes that you get now as an adult that you didn't as a kid. There's a condom oh, in yeah. this, Colin. Do you, did you <laughs> notice that? I still don't get that one. Uh, can you explain it to me once we get well, the there? the two times you've had sex, you've never had to use one. So, I mean, you wouldn't know what that <laughs> exactly. is. That's, that's a valid point. <laughs> uh, kind of in contrast to Tom Shadiak, 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 Acres last week, uh, where we, we looked at his filmography and we're like, wow, this guy did so many other like huge comedies of the era. The director of this one, Chuck Russell, this is bizarre. Now, first I'll say the comic book for The Mask, from what I read, very different from this, very yeah. dark. Uh, basically, the the model of the Dory and the villain at the end of this is essentially what the mask was in the comic books. It's about a guy who becomes a villain because of this. Um, but uh, the director who was hired for this, Chuck Russell, when you look at what he'd made prior to this, you're like, okay, they wanted to make that horror version of the mask because this is a guy who made Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Blob. And uh, even after They're this, you know, movies, you did, by the way, it wasn't yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street, Street, Street blob. The Blob. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'd see it. I've never seen any of them, but that sounds fun. But uh, I mean, he go on to do like the Scorpion King years after the mask, like he, a razor. He, this feels like uh, a racer. Yeah. With Arnold Schwarzenegger. It feels like they wanted to go for an R rated movie and, and maybe with that horror twist. And for a while, that was kind of how it was developed. And of all people it was Chuck Russell's idea 
where he said he wanted to make this a lighter movie. He wanted to make it more of a comedy. And I'm guessing wanted to model it very much after Hoover and Roger Rabbit, which was a couple years old at this point. Uh, and you can really see a lot of the, 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 the touches of Roger Rabbit in this movie. Like not that they're ripping it off in any way, but they're obviously going for like that classic cartoon thing where there's a lot of very direct nods to, uh, you know, characters like Wile E. Coyote and things like that. Um, but it's just, it seems so strange to me for a guy who would never make another movie like this again, that he was the one who came on and said, I want this to be a comedy. I want it to be a likable movie. I want it to be semi-family movie. And that he's like, I want to get this Jim Carrey guy. And he's also an executive producer on Collateral, apparently. Um, yeah, I was reading a lot about sort of the source material and... Yeah, like if you read some of the stuff that apparently is in the comic book, like the scene with the mechanics, like in the comic book, he's like fully shoving things in their head and they're exploding. And like, there's just like, apparently like every time a character, like sort of when you wear the mask, it's like almost like a regenerative thing, kind of like a Deadpool or a Wolverine that like you, you sort of, you reform yourself. But in like the comic books, apparently there was like literal guts going everywhere and organs flying. And yeah, it sounds very graphic and dark, which I'd love to know if this movie was say done today exactly the same in the age of the mm. internet how pissed off would the fans be because yeah we know how fans can be when they change things i mean what was it iron man 3 with um the, i was gonna say that yeah yeah the the villain in that right they completely change it and went a different path so what would they be like with this but i'd never see criticism of this because i don't mm -hmm. know if that was a very popular comic um, I mean, I, I, I knew when this was released that it was like a comic, but again, a seven-year-old is not going to be allowed to read something like that. But yeah, I was reading through a lot of the development and sort of through Chuck Russell and, and everything about some of the things they were going to do. And again, the casting of this, poor Rick Moranis was, must have been labelled yeah. to <laughs> every single Jim Carrey movie in the 90s. I'm going to be not surprised if his name's attached to Dumb and Dumber in a couple of days when we do that next week. But um yeah, like I think kind of it's interesting how they went for Jim Carrey. I mean, Robin Williams, Martin Short. could see. I could honestly see both of them doing it. Again, no disrespect to Rick Moranis, mm. but Robin Williams and Martin Short, you could see doing this. But then Nicolas yeah. Cage and Matthew Broderick also yeah, in that's... consideration. Nicolas Cage, I mean, maybe. Because Ghost Rider is essentially the horror version of The Mask, right? Yeah. Matthew Broderick, I mean, if, if he had, at, the, at this point, 1994... That's weird. Uh, a couple years later when he had done Inspector Gadget, I mean, maybe Matthew Broderick himself was kind of trying to go for something like this. Yeah, it's very interesting. But yeah, I don't. I didn't realize that Chuck Russell did Eraser uh, and then The Scorpion King. Do we talk about that? Um, yeah. But he's still directing. I mean, he's got Witchboard coming out this year, a supernatural horror film. Um, so he's, he's still going, unlike uh, Mr. Shadyac, who seems to have uh, gone back to his Shady Acres. Mm. Uh, I guess the other big star of this movie, our breakthrough role, is Cameron Diaz. Who Introducing had, Cameron Diaz. Exactly. Mm. Literally her first on-screen acting role. I love that. Uh, I, why is that a Hollywood thing? And introducing. Like, I just love that weird When trend. do they choose to do that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think what, what's what's interesting is that I think everybody remembered her from this movie. And even after this came out, like, she was a household name. But it took years after this before she really became a thing. Like, I think she she kind of had to do a lot of small, low-budget movies and learn how to act. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to... I'm not directly knocking her. I mean, she serves a purpose in this movie, but you could tell her acting skills are not quite there yet. You know, she was hired maybe more for the look, maybe more for the chemistry with Jim Carrey. Uh, but I also don't think they were necessarily going for an actor because the one that they wanted to hire, who I feel like we mentioned her last week, yeah, we Chuck did. Russell wanted Anna Nicole Smith yeah. to star as Tina, but she was obligated for Naked Gun 33 and the third, 
Uh, so then Which they want to rest. That's how we were talking about the Razzies. Yeah. So they end up settling on Cameron Diaz. I mean, I, I obviously it paid off because, you know, even in 1994, she was a big selling point of this movie. Um, when we get to uh, one scene in particular later on, I mean, everybody knew who she was and everybody, you know, it, it was, it was part of pop culture, Cameron Diaz and Jim Carrey. Uh, and for whatever reason, I feel like she had started in something else with Jim Carrey again, but I don't think she did. Uh, but it, I guess the next really big thing she had, would have would be three years after this with My Best Friend's Wedding, which was also just a supporting role. And uh, then after that, she sort of started to take off. But I mean, this is very early Cameron Diaz. And I think most people kind of look back and they assume that the mask made her like this overnight sensation, but it didn't really work that way. I think that her acting is actually like, I was watching this and good to know that we're doing a coverage and I watched this, but... I, I actually was really impressed because I think the thing that to me with her acting is that it fits this movie. Everybody in this movie fits this movie and is acting to the movie. Um, and mm. I think that, you know, if you didn't know this was her first movie, then you would be probably be just assume this is like her 20th movie. Because I think she, she does it very well. And I think she, there's just something about her in this movie that I'd really picked up on this time that I really enjoyed. And not just for the obvious reasons you think, I think, that she brings a level of she's got charisma. I mean, the chemistry with Jim Carrey is probably the best we'll get this month. Um, like really, really good. I mean, he had great chemistry with Courtney Cox. He's got amazing chemistry with Lauren Holly, obviously, but it's a different role. Like it's kind of with Lauren Holly, it's sort of almost they don't get together. So like it's kind of like you don't ever see them in that in that way that you do in the first two movies. But yeah, she's she's great. She's fantastic. And I think that you know, like I, what she, well, you talk about my best friend's wedding, but it was really there's something about Mary, wasn't it? That really like put her yeah. on the map. That obviously as she, like her own starring film, yeah. And like obviously, you know, Jim Carrey was a few years removed um, after this movie becoming the highest paid actor in Hollywood. Cameron Diaz, I think, held that title for a couple of years, didn't she? In the early two thousands, after things like was, Charlie's uh, Angels and Gangs of New York, I'm pretty sure she did. Yeah, because I know that I know that uh, it was the battle between her and Julia Roberts yeah. for which actress would get to twenty million first, and I think she was the first one to get to twenty million. Yeah, after basically having her career relaunched by Julia Roberts, she beats her to twenty million. And then Jim Carrey, of course, was the, what the first to get to twenty million, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, well, one of the first at least, um, first comedic actor maybe. But yeah, I mean, incredible. I I also want to put a shout out, and I mean, you, you, this movie always gets talked about with Jim Carrey and Cameron Diaz, and rightfully so, they're fantastic, but. Can we just talk about Peter Green? I don't know much about this guy. I don't know if I've seen him in anything else. But I just want to say that Dorian Tyrell might be one of my favourite movie villains that never gets talked about. He's fantastic in this movie. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but he is just so much fun and he's such a great villain and plays up to this role so well. Everybody does in this film and I just grew an extra appreciation for him because I need to look this guy up. Maybe we have seen him in other things. We, we have, but he's one of these guys that you forget. Like, the first thing I see in this same year, he was in Pulp Fiction. All he right. played Zed, oh, the, actually, the, the I remember biker. that. I think, they, sorry to interrupt, but I'm pretty sure when I saw Pulp Fiction, I'm like, oh, right, it's, it's, and that may be mm-hmm. the only thing I've seen him in, yeah. I mean, after that, he had The Usual Suspects, Under Siege 2. So, I mean, he was on a roll for a while there. Um, uh, Blue Streak with Martin Lawrence, I guess he did another comedy after that. Most of his recent stuff is, like, B-grade, but I'm with you. I, uh, I, I don't think that I ever think about him in this movie. I think even when I start rewatching the movie, I'm like, oh, this guy, I don't remember him, right? Uh, and then as soon as it gets into the movie, I'm like, wow, what? A, like, all I could think about while watching this is that this guy uh, out Robert Davi's Robert Davi, you know, mm. from License to Kill. And and I've really grown to appreciate Robert Davi and License to Kill, but this is the exact same role. And I'm going to say Peter Green does it better. Like he is, 
a scary, intimidating villain. I think what what makes him even scarier, let's say, than Robert Davi is that technically he's playing the role of a henchman in this movie. He's mm. not the big boss. He's just the 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 guy who takes control of everything. But yeah, amazing actor. I mean, I I'd love to to go back and watch some of the other ones. That actually, try to pick up. And just seeing now, he was in an episode of The Continental that Jamie and I covered last year. I couldn't tell you who he played in that, but uh, this will be our second Peter Green recap that we've done. Yeah, I, I mean, you're saying he he was in a porn star is born. That sounds interesting, but um, no, like it's just it's a great comparison, and I think that he's one of these rare villains that like we often will come on this show and be like, oh, the villain's actually not that bad like you know but yeah he is a villain who is bad and he doesn't really have anything redeeming and and i love a villain like that who's just an absolute dick and you know i I read a good uh piece on this film about how this movie is all about you know like literally what's his face the masks we wear like how kind of you know we always have like two sides to our personality and it kind of gets brought out in certain ways and you see that when he puts on the mask at the end but, um, yeah, I mean, he's fantastic. And also Charlie, the friend. Can I point him out as well? Um, yeah, Richard Jenny. Richard Jenny. He's fun. Um, Another I, guy you recognize and can't picture what you recognize him uh, from. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know him from something else. Are you going to help me here? or I'm looking for his filmography and nothing's standing out for me. <laughs> He's another one. He died. Oh, that's sad. Died in 2007. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Um, but no, I'm pretty sure. I Like, as soon as you said Pulp Fiction, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I, I remember. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm pretty sure I saw him in something else. He was in a sitcom called Platypus Man. Um, and apparently ranked on Comedy Central's greatest hundred stand-ups of all time. There you go. Uh, that's probably, it's probably more for stand-up than it is for acting because I'm just seeing after he died here, there was like a ton of tributes. I mean, the, the Tonight Show basically gave him, you know, an honorary segment after he died. Uh, so it, maybe it is more of a stand-up comic uh, than anything else. This is very much like Ace Ventura, two completely different directors. But like Ace Ventura, I feel like they decided to cast a movie with people who aren't your typical comic actors. A lot of everybody, including Jim Carrey, is playing it straight in this movie. Uh, you know, Ben Stein might be the only other real typical funny guy you have in this movie. Uh, the henchmen feel like they're real henchmen, you know, and you were saying about Cameron Diaz, like, I, 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 I get what you're saying. I still stand by like there's her acting is not quite where it w- would be later on. But in a way, that's what works about her in this movie, because this movie is playing to a, a certain time period, a certain genre. And I, I've we've never covered this movie. I mentioned before my love for the movie Gattaca. Uh, when we talked about the Truman Show last year, Andrew Nichol, uh, that was like his director, his consolation prize for not being able to direct uh, Truman Show. Uh, and I said, one of the things that works about Gattaca is that it's a movie that takes place in the future, but they make everything look like the 1940s and the 1950s. So it helps the movie to never date. And I feel like that's one when I was saying this movie should be very painfully 90s and it isn't because this movie has like this 1940s, 1950s look about it. You know, the way everybody's dressing, the music, the swing music that we have throughout this movie, uh, the, the, the art direction, you know, and, and that also was very much the trend at the time when you're going from roger rabbit dick tracy um uh, batman you know they all sort of had that classic look and i think that's what helps this movie to stand up now when you know it, it probably should be one of those like oh what what a bad 90s movie they don't actually be forgotten yeah just quickly uh, uh richard jenny apparently only acted in like 12 things so like he did like yeah obviously didn't see him anything else so he didn't do a lot of acting but anyway um you know i agree i think it, you mentioned like batman it reminds me um because whenever you see, like, Gotham City in those 90s Batmans, you know, like Batman and Robin and that, like, it's almost deliberately over-the-top comic book, mm-hmm. like, looks like another world city. And that always reminds me when you see, like, Edge City at the beginning of this. Because I think you, um, 
a lot of a lot of cities in comic books, like particularly the fictional cities, are obviously based on you know like Gotham is based on some dark form of New York. Metropolis is mm-hmm. based on more of a lighter form of New York, you know, and you get all these kind of things. Whereas Edge City, you sort of see it and you see certain shots and you'll recognize a building here and there from like a real world city. But then all of a sudden you're just like, wow, this is just a completely fictionalized city that looks really cool. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, like the swing music. I mean, you touched on that last week that this movie kind of helped revive it in the nineties. And it's just, it is that feel. And like, I always love like, Stanley Ipikus's like love of like the classic cartoon and then you know things yeah. like that that obviously translates into the mask character everything about it yeah it's just it is interesting how this is such a movie that when you think of like 90s movies the mask is always up there but it's yeah like Ace Ventura feels very like the Dumb and Dumber next week will feel very 90s mm-hmm. whereas this yeah. doesn't like again you could put this on the cinema tomorrow and tell kids it's new and they'd believe believe you except maybe Jim Carrey's a lot younger but hey you know <laughs> I don't know if they I know. Mean, who- he's wearing a mask. It's hard to tell. Exactly. They don't know who Jim Carrey is. He's only been in Sonic, right? He's got a he's bald and wears <laughs> a mustache. Uh, let's get into the movie here. Uh, you start off right away that like we get that visual of Edge City and then the underwater stuff. And this movie doesn't feel that much like a comic movie. I often have to remind myself this is a comic book movie because it feels more just like a you know detective movie, a cartoon movie. But like this opening is very cartoony, like or sort of very comic booky, where you have them like underwater and they're uh, trying to retrieve it. And you got like this mysterious mask where you got like the the, the weird glow. Like this feels like something that would be out of a mar- modern Marvel movie or DC movie, where you get like that that shine across the inside of the mask, and then that thing whatever collapses, the beam collapses and crushes the guy underneath, and the mask flows to the surface. Um, we get uh, Jim Carrey as Stanley Ipkiss showing up at work. Now, maybe because we watched the Truman Show quite recently. I, I feel like this is Truman Burbank. Like he he essentially played the same character in two different movies. Just one was a little bit more serious and one was more comedic. It is the exact same guy, I feel like. Uh, and this is sort of I was talking about last week where I was you know maybe half hour, 40 minutes into the movie where he's so restrained, like almost intentionally restrained with everything he does in this movie where he's not trying to go, even the parts where he's trying to be funny, uh, you know, it's not quite as obvious. Like he is trying to ask this girl out. He's got these concert tickets she wanted. I, I don't know if you, you recognize or know who this actress that played the uh, the, the first girl he asks out is. is. Is it the woman from Inspector Gadget? Yeah, so she was yeah. in Inspector Gadget. Yeah. Um, but I guess, I, I don't know if we'd say she's famous for this, but she's Carrie Fisher's half-sister. So Jolie oh. Fisher, she's like from the Junior marriage Hall. that... <laughs> the the marriage that Carrie Fisher's father had. I'm after not Carrie, Carrie Fisher. Th- what I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I thought That's Sarah Jessica Parker. I thought you said Sarah. <laughs> I just for some reason I'm thinking Inspector Gadget Matthew Broderick. And I went to Sarah <laughs> Jessica Parker. Sorry, Carrie Fish- Fisher. You're not a horse. You're a yeah. Um, you're you're a great woman. <laughs> Poor Carrie. <laughs> Rest in peace. I know. Oh Ben. But uh, Sarah Jessica but yeah, Parker or a- Bette Midler. Oh, Bette Midler. <laughs> I think we. I think that was one of the ones we've already done. Down. Oh, sorry. Uh, are we keeping a running tally of this? We're going to have the for and against Bette Midlers at the end it, of the it's year. It's more of a we need to have a funny segment for the end of the year, like we did last year with props of Brendan Fraser. So enjoy the <laughs> compilation right now while you're listening to this at the best of. Uh, so uh, she's saying, "Oh, but I got this friend who really wants to go. Can we get a third ticket?" And he's like, "Oh, it's impossible. I just got these tickets." And this is me. I, I don't know. She, <laughs> he's you or she's he's you? me. This is me. Okay. trying to ask a girl out like no word of a lie. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he's again, completely nice guys. Like, well, why don't you just take those? I'd rather you have fun, you know, just go with your friend. Oh, thanks. 
And this could have been played completely differently. Like they could have gone over the top with the whole Mr. Nice Guy thing here where she's like, oh, gee, well, I really got to take my friend. So I'm going to have to turn this down. And he's like, well, I guess. But it just portrays him as being a nice guy. Like the, the way that I think I always remember this movie is like he's the down on his luck, which there's the sequence where we get him as a down luck guy. But he's just legitimately he's fine with giving this ticket up. You know, uh, it's a completely different type of character. I think I remembered it. Uh, it's raining outside. So now we get Cameron Diaz walking in him. This it's not quite Ursula Andress entrance, but this has to be like one of those iconic mm. movie introductions, like her walking in from the rain and everything. Uh, and then even just the reactions from both Jim Carrey and Richard Jenny here. Uh, I love the uh, what is Richard Jenny's character's name? Um, Charlie. Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. There's always got to be a Charlie. In There's always movie. Charlie. It's the 90s. Come on. Usually a kid, but uh, he's uh, where he's basically kid. stepping in. <laughs> He's stepping in. He's like, oh, I'll take care of you. And then she just goes right to Stanley's desk. I like him being snubbed, but then she hands him the coat. Here you go. And he sniffs the coat. <laughs> um, and uh, this is more of that restrained Jim Carrey here where she's commenting on his tie because he wears like these cartoon ties. So this kind of looks like one of those ink blot things. Oh, like a Rorschach thing. And he he brings it up and does like that cartoon tongue. <laughs> to go, stick out. But again, Jim Carrey and Ace Ventura would have done that completely differently than this. Mm. Uh, th this is a guy who's being very conscious of when he wants to pick his spots here. But this is where you start getting a little bit of Jim Carrey. When he goes, he's trying to play it cool and he goes to sharpen his pencil, but it's a pen. <laughs> it just gets jammed in there. Uh, we see as she's kind of subtly flirting with him here, making small talk. She's got a camera on her purse. Uh, so they're kind of spying inside the bank. This is uh, Dorian, his crew, looking to break into the bank. She's just uh, one of their pawns. Uh, he goes to the mechanics uh, after this. And these guys, I'm... Are they complete crooks or is this just the way people drive their cars? Just they mechanics. just don't know there's a problem. <laughs> exactly. I, I I felt like this movie's trying to portray them as like, oh, these guys are crooks and everything. Like, this is every mechanic yeah. out there. <laughs> like I know I'm a journalist and I complain and there's bad journalists in this movie as well, right? That's just the reputation and, and mechanics have that reputation. But like, I'm sorry, my experience is a mechanics. This is what mechanics like. I, the, the, the two professions I trust the least, uh, three that annoy me, Mechanics, real estate agents, and IT people. So um, that that that's my opinion of all three of them, and they're accurately portrayed in this movie. If you ask me, they always rip you off. I I, I did have a bad experience with a mechanic that turned into a good experience, where I took a vehicle in, and it was I bought it as a very old vehicle, and uh, there was some problems with it. It kept like shutting down when I was in the middle of driving, like stalling, even if I was like making a turn. So imagine in the middle of an intersection. That's how bad you uh, drive. So, <laughs> but uh, I took it in. And I remember they did like a diagnostic, and the guy tried to explain to me like, you know, there, we could just replace the engine altogether, or we could try to take the engine apart and do this. Now, of course, I didn't know any better. He didn't explain to me on the phone when you take the engine apart. It, it's you you, you got to go all the way or, or it's bust, right? <laughs> you, you can't just take it apart. Oh, we found the problem and we're gonna reassemble it. So I'm like, oh, it's going to cost me $3,000 now? I don't want that fixed. I'm like, you didn't explain to me mm. that when you take it apart, you can't put it back together. Now this yep. vehicle is a paperweight. So I told him, I don't know. I'll have to see what I could do with this. I'll have to get it towed or something. And after a couple of weeks, he felt bad because I guess he realized I probably should have explained this. So he called me up and said, if you're just going to be getting this van towed and junked anyways, what if I paid you 300 bucks for it? And, you know, you could, uh, alt you won't have to worry about taking care of towing it. I will just use this because I need a part. Now, of course, he's a mechanic. He he owned up. I need a part from this the vehicle. Canadian mechanic. This is you. the most Canadian mechanic story I can ever about. Sorry <laughs> that I'm going to charge you $3,000. We'll, we'll come to a middle deal here. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I like these guys, too. Like these little 
characters yeah, here. Yeah, they're good. Very like, comic book. Like, break drums. So many people in this movie, they're very comic book, like a cartoony. You know, they, they, they yeah, add exactly. to the movie and they fit it very well. What's this? Yeah. What, what's it all about? 350. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what was it? When they hand him the invoice, yeah, it's like, uh, well, there's no price on it. There will be. <laughs> <laughs> Bring him the loner. The loner. The loner. <laughs> I remember one time I had to like get my car fixed and I had to have a loaning car. I've had a couple of times. So every time they're like, oh, we'll, we'll bring you a loaning car. I'm like, the loner. The loner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this loaner car, of course, is like a complete falling apart rust bucket. Uh, and he's uh, going to the, uh, the, the, did he go straight to the club here? Yeah, the co- uh, co- yeah. Co- Cabana. The Co- Coco, the Coco Bongo. Coco That's Bongo. What it is. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so he's going to Coco Bongo with his friend Charlie here, and because Charlie had a date he was going to bring for him, and I love as he shows up in this thing and it's falling apart hands of the valley. He's like, "It's a classic." <laughs> <laughs> uh, Charlie knows the doorman, so he hands him a wad of cash, gets him the door. Stanley takes too long, so he gets cut off, and you know, oh, that was my friend there. They still won't let him in. Uh, and this is where, uh, as he's trying to leave here, he runs into. Cameron Diaz, Tina outside, and he's trying to play it cool. And they bring up his car. That's not my car, or whatever. And it's like, uh, sir, this is your ticket. <laughs> you All bring right, I'll take Porsche. it. <laughs> no, I am very angry about this. <laughs> Which can I just? Uh, I just want to say right now, because I'll forget. Did you? Do you watch the valet guy? Like, you got to love a movie when somebody like their only role is to do one thing, and they're like, this is their big break. So I'm gonna act yeah. to save my life. So if you watch this guy. He does the most overacting reaction when he gets yelled at, when he's like, I am very, he kind of does this like, huh? like, he's like, oh, what? Me? Like, just it's like in an old silent scene. film or something. Yeah. Like, I don't know who this guy is. But this is probably like Rami Malek or somebody. He's probably won Oscars or something. He's probably the biggest star ever. But like, just the way he just acts, he's like, me? <laughs> uh, so uh, he's just had this run of bad luck. Of course, he also got splashed. Uh, oh, with uh, right along his crotch here, gets splashed. So it looks like he wet himself. Mr. Bean. Uh, you see him driving. The, the loner dies in the middle of the bridge. Uh, and, and I, I don't know what this is like. Is he gonna jump off the bridge? I remember thinking that as a kid. Like your life's not that bad. You got you got a loner car. <laughs> you got you didn't Cameron get in the club Diaz in jump. the corner. It's not that bad. She smiled at you, man. Come on. Exactly. Um, you you didn't get to sniff her jacket, but you got something. You got a smile. <laughs> Better than uh, what you sniff. But- <laughs> That comes out this year. Oh, oh there's a sequel it, to that it, movie. I don't know how. Is I feel. it actually filmed? Is it coming out? I don't know, but I just—it's like when I saw Jurassic World having a sequel. I'm like, oh, do we? Like, I love the movie, but come on, we don't need a I mean, sequel. I'll be there regardless. I will be there regardless. I did it for Independence Day too. We know how that turned out, but like, I don't know. Like, do we don't need a sequel to Twister. It's perfect. Leave it alone. You know, we we've both been on here talking about our love for Independence Day, our love for Twister, our love for Jurassic Park, even at its worst. Uh, just going back to last week, does that not just say how important Jim Carrey is to the success of every movie where we skipped the sequels to all of these? I didn't watch Ace Ventura Jr. I didn't watch Son of the Mask. I didn't watch When Harry Met Lloyd. Great, great. I can't bring myself. I'll bring it to it for- to bring you back into the, the movie. I like that. No, but you're right. Like, but I think, but you've got that with, I, I can't off the top of my head think about other movies, but there have definitely been other movies that I've, always avoided the sequel because i mean it was it's it's all i always talk about charmed like i used to love charmed when mm-hmm. it first started and it wasn't like i was a massive shannon doherty fanboy but as soon as she left like i couldn't stomach rose mcgowan and i couldn't watch it so i just stopped and you know me i, I fucking watched manifest at the end i don't stop um <laughs> so 
yeah, like you're right. Like Jim, Ke- that, but that there are other actors that I, I can't think of off the top of my head where I've done that. But yeah, like I guess there is a difference when I guess a Jurassic Park and Independence Day, a Twister, like. You know, I, if The Mask had Rick Moranis in it, I probably wouldn't have seen it. No disrespect to you, Rick Moranis. Uh, but, mm. like, you know, I'm watching The Mask because of Jim Carrey. I'm watching Dumb and Dumber because of Jim Carrey. I'm watching Ace Ventura because of Jim Carrey. Because I'm not watching Independence Day. So it's just, I love Will Smith and, and you know, Bill Pullman uh, and, and Jeff Goldblum. I'm not purely watching it because of them. It's a great overall movie. But great point, Colin. Well done. And imagine if Jim Carrey was in Independence Day Resurgence or Twister's. <laughs> I mean, I, I think they would be better movies. I mean, honestly, the way that... I don't that know, Independ- we got Jim Carrey's. <laughs> this is the guy floating around. I mean, having seen Independence Day Resurgence, I mean, based on how that turns out some points, Jim Carrey probably would have added to that movie. I mean, <laughs> you can't take away from the other Hemsworth. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Liam. Uh, so uh, when he's on the bridge here, he sees what he thinks is somebody drowning in the water. So he jumps in Which, and it's just a pile of garbage. Sorry to keep interrupting, but this is the first time like I used to always watch this scene and I could never see a body. I'm like, how does he think that's a yeah. body? But now this is like, I've obviously got like the HD Blu-ray version and now I can finally see like there's almost like a head on it. Like yeah. I'm like, oh, I see well, the body. Okay. This is the opposite. We talk about how, oh, they didn't realize how this would look once it was because nobody thought HD would be a thing. They didn't mm. realize that this would look a lot worse or that we'd notice this or that. And this is like, oh, we really never got that shot right. And then it's an HD. It's like, there we go. Finally, yeah, you can see it. 100%. But like I, part of it. And uh, I always, you know, kind of remember like he pulls the mask out. Like there's, this is where the police are like, what are you doing down there? I'm just looking for my, <laughs> my mask. mask. I got it. <laughs> my, my mask. My, my man. My mask. <laughs> <laughs> Re, redub that in a view to a kill. My man. My man. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> but, but like, it's not just he pulls out the mask. It's got like, um. I don't know if it's supposed to be like paper or plastic over it. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing that adds to it where when you're watching it in HD, you're like, oh, it does look like a face because it's not just and this dark green moving. thing. It's got, yeah. yeah, and it's got like flesh color there and everything. Um, So he gets home and uh, it, it's not a Jim Carrey movie in 1994. If they don't have a landlord, landlady who's completely abusive and angry. Uh, and it, this is the first time we get where he can't really talk back to people. You know what, Mrs. Whatever? Nothing, you know? Uh, so he goes inside. We, we get a glimpse into his life where he, there's little things like they just put little, little comic books in the drawers and stuff like that. Or you'll see like uh, he puts on the, the, the cartoons here. Mm. Uh, or he's watching that. Of course, the landlady is turn it down in there. All right, Mr. Payman. <laughs> uh, and we get introduced to his dog Milo, who's Aww. one of the stars of this movie. Uh, did, uh, did Milo go on to do big things? Uh, the dog itself, I don't know, but it was a big character in the in the in the because this was a uh, this wasn't in the comic book, I believe. They 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 no, put, this was for the movie because yeah. I think wasn't he's like the comic book. He had like an ex girlfriend or something that was kind of like the the sidekick or something like that. So they that was the one fighting with the frisbee. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't. Yeah, come on, Judy, jump, 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 (laughs) drop it. Um, but you know, I know Milo in the cartoons. Say, sorry, <laughs> Judy is the one they're lifting her leg. <laughs> yeah. Peter Green at the end of this movie. <laughs> um, oh, there's an image. But no, I think it was the the cartoon. Obviously, used a lot more of Milo because yeah, yeah, Milo. Like, and look, I'm not a fan of little dogs. To me, you know, if this a dog's this size, that's not a real dog. Um, I'm sorry, people who own little dogs, but get a real dog. But Jack Russell's. There's something about Jack Russell's that I can stomach. Like to me, it's like. Beagle is a good, it's a little dog, but a beagle is a decent, I'd, I'd go beagle. 
and almost go Jack Russell because I had a lot of friends with Jack Russells growing up and Jack Russells are great dogs. Maybe a bit small for me, but Jack Russells are fun dogs. So I like Milo. Beagles, Jack Russells, or Bette Midler? Beagles and Jack Russells. <laughs> there we go. I, I, like, I mean, you've got a dog. I mean, I'm much more of a cat person, but I still am a dog person and I miss her. I haven't had a dog in a long time. So uh, I've, I've never had Bette Midler as a pet. I'm sure she would be very obedient and not pee on the floor. But um, sometimes you want something to pee on the floor and clean up after it. So, Bet, you're getting old. Maybe you, maybe the bladder's getting a little bit, you know, loose. So maybe you would we, pee on my floor. We we were we were originally trying to get a beagle. Well, before we got Aww. busy, he was like a German Shepherd. Uh, and the adoption thing, they never got back to us. And I don't know whether no. the dog wasn't ready. But, but like we see, they still have the dog up for adoption. Like we haven't placed this dog. Uh, but oh, uh, it was sad. all because it's of gonna get put down Snoopy. Soon. <laughs> Well, the, the adoption agency is like a senior dog rescue. So these are dogs that are probably going to be a dead year or two anyways. But like it, <laughs> Casper, Casper wanted a beagle because Snoopy is a beagle and he's obsessed with Charlie Brown and Snoopy. Uh, but I, I guarantee if we get a beagle, if we can convince Casper to not name it Snoopy, I will name my beagle Bette Midler. No. Uh, that's what I'll do. <laughs> with my cat Roger Moore. Your um, cat Roger Moore and my beagle Bette Midler. <laughs> oh, and, and then if I'm living in your part of the world, then Roger Moore can meet Bette Midler. Uh, <laughs> oh, they can hump each other. <laughs> <laughs> that went a little bit far. <laughs> that's when you could ask Roger Moore, Bette Midler <laughs> or Bette Midler. <laughs> oh. I like, like I, I'm a floppy ear dog type of person. I, I like, I, I always had English Springer Spaniels growing up. They're my favorite type of dog. And there's just something about a floppy, droopy ears that makes a dog cuter. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. There we go. Milo, we love you. Uh, uh, Milo, better, Milo the dog or Milo from CTU? Oh, Milo the dog, yeah, hands right? down. <laughs> come on. Doesn't have a big dick as Milo from uh, CTU, but Milo the dog would come in at 5 a.m. to format files and not complain about it. But neither of them ask consent before they kiss you. True. And then they get shot in the head. <laughs> That's how Milo the dog meets send in the cartoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, he's got Milo around there and they, they got the first of the Frisbee things they're doing. And this is where he finds the mask. Uh, well, he doesn't find it. He brought it home, but he sees the mask and everything. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I'm looking Whoa. for my mask. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's got one in every single room. Uh, Who doesn't? And uh, um, uh, yeah, so he, he sees Ben Stein on TV who's talking about the masks we wear, which obviously some type of a self-help book or something like that because we need Ben Stein to come back later on. Uh, and he puts the mask on, and this transformations. It, we we really only see the full transformation. I think this one time with with Jim Carrey, where it's like taking over his face because it's kind of disturbing. And then we see the same thing when he takes it off. All the times it sort of ha happens off camera, and then when Dorian puts it on later, we obviously get like the, the total horror transformation. But this is the closest I think to a horror thing when they, he puts it on. Uh, but of course, Jim Carrey, nineteen ninety four. It's all about the quotes. And very first quote had to be one of two quotes in this movie, which are the most quotable things from the mask. Everybody remembers, which of course, smoking uh, <laughs> th th that one or somebody stopped me. I mean, I never I, I don't think I remember what the first line is, but like, you know, that it's one of those two lines that uh, those are the two famous ones. Uh, and then he has a it's party time. P.A.R.T.Y. Why? Because I gotta. <laughs> oh, uh, so good. The way they work in a lot of this, like, animation, um, w like classic animation, like where he, he's got the clock uh, and the hammer and everything out in the hallway, like, it, it, it's like something out of Looney Tunes, uh, and this is where the landlady comes out, and uh, I, I love where she comes out, and she's got the green 
uh, face mask on or whatever, <laughs> like the beauty mask. And he just looks and he screams and you get like the eyeballs that are popping out of his head and everything. Uh, he jumps out the window after he's destroyed her hallway. Uh, and then when he lands down there and he gets run over by the car, look, Ma, I'm roadkill. <laughs> I always used to uh, love that line. <laughs> <laughs> we get more like little cartoon things where he's got the little horn he squeezes. The ha ha. Uh, Somebody wants to communicate. <laughs> he's got the gang, of course, at Holocaust. I mean, this is like term something straight out of Terminator here. Bill Paxson should be leading this gang. <laughs> uh, and these are my favorite things that uh, I think they do with the mask in this movie. When you can get a long sequence where he's just, it's just nonsense. One thing after the, it's almost like these little mini montages all in one shot. Although it's obviously, you know, different special effects where the gang's chasing him and everything. And he does like the whole circus thing. Step right up everybody. <laughs> and he's doing the balloon animals and all that. Uh, and uh, um, the, the, of course he, he does the final one, which is like a Tommy gun. Uh, a and, Tommy gun. Uh, a Tommy gun. <laughs> Uh, and he shows up at the garage, uh, which, you know, nothing good's going to happen there. Uh, and then he wakes up and thinks the whole thing's a dream, um, which, uh, I guess we'll also talk about, yeah, the, the cop scene here, cause it's the same scene. So the cops are there. He thinks it's a dream till he sees the mask, uh, on the, the, uh, nightstand or whatever. And the cops are there and they're talking about, uh, there was a disturbance out here. Disturbance. What do you mean? It's like, like the, uh, the, the giant gunfire or whatever, and, uh, everything in the hallway here. You didn't hear that. Uh, and then, then of course, notice his pajamas, which has to come up later. Uh, and I love Jim Carrey here again, playing it very subtle, but like, I feel like you hire Rick Moranis, Robin Williams, or anybody else. This is the maximum level of enthusiasm you're going to put in. This is Jim Carrey is most subdued. It was like, I got a little inner ear problem here. Him doing that, like very over-exaggerated, uh, thing with that, uh, his ear and the, uh, cop, I don't even remember what he says that an inner ear problem. Like, hey, <laughs> I can't hear you, buddy. Um, <laughs> uh, so the dog finds the the mask uh, here, but doesn't put it on yet. Uh, and uh, Jim Carrey tries to throw it away. He's like, oh, I can't let this happen again. And it, like a Frisbee, it goes out the window and comes right back in the window. And we'll, we'll kind of break there uh, before we start getting into the, the rest of the movie. I was reading a bit about sort of some of the deleted scenes that were in this film, and I've never actually seen them, but like the opening was meant to be sort of a flashback to like Vikings and this oh, yeah. mask and sort of where it, ended up in the bottom of the ocean and there's another one around the journalist lady that she's like brutally murdered in in uh there's a scene oh, really where, yeah so like the decapitated the, by jim Carrey. <laughs> so well the the scene when like she hands over jim uh stanley ipkiss to dorian and like you said you wouldn't hurt him like there's apparently a scene where like they then grab her and shove her in the printing press and her face Ooh. is like squashed upon the the newspaper and it says like journalist killed or something like that so that would, I, I'm guessing it might be on YouTube. I don't know, but like that was a deleted scene that they removed because they wanted to keep her uh, possibly in the sequel because they apparently were planning a sequel yeah. for this film. Um, so that was a thing. But yeah, the opening was meant to be kind of like a flashback to like Vikings and everything. So um, yeah, but yeah, I, I think like it, it is. You said about how I I forget it's a comic book movie too because I read that this was the most profitable comic book movie of all time in terms of budget to box office until Joker in 2019 based on this uh, small budget compared to what most yeah. comic book movies do and the amount it made. So uh, that was a cool little statistic that, that I saw and only recently broken. So I'm guessing it would still be the number two maybe on that list. Cause has there really been like a independent style comic book movie that has made yeah, that amount of money? I mean, 
the 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 one that was heavily marketed as being the low budget superhero movie was Shazam, and I think Shazam still costs like seventy million dollars. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think anything would come close. I love the like again, like we talked about it last week with like uh, Cameron Diaz. I'm one of those that are like, yeah, I don't think she's ever been as hot as she's been in this film. Uh, but that's just that's just me. Um, and I'm not really into buxom blondes. That's not really what I'm into either. So it's, Cameron Diaz, you I did right. The, see, it, same thing, but like I, I'm, I'm kind of the opposite opinion. This is what we talked about last week because even Jamie was like, "Oh, Cameron Diaz, that, that's the hottest she ever was." And I'm like, "I don't." Everybody says it's like it's it's literally a thing where that is like one of the most talked about things. Like, yeah. "Oh, Cameron Diaz was the hottest in the mask or whatever," and I, I don't have a problem with her. But like at the same time, my type is just not blue-eyed blondes. You know, it's pretty much the opposite. So, but but later on, like I, I feel like uh, when she started to get a little bit older and everything, I, I feel like she actually got more attractive. In fact, the one I think that she probably looks best in is one of the last movies she made with uh, the, probably the only bad movie Tom Cruise has made in the last 20 years. The oh. movie she made with Tom Cruise, Night and Day. I've never seen um, it, but I've always wanted to see it. It's, I mean, it's not terrible. It's it's still decent, but not for a Tom Cruise movie. But in that one, I think she in that, that that's one movie. I'm like, okay, I'll go for Cameron Diaz in this movie. Not necessarily. Don't have a problem with her in the mask, though. I mean, she's still attractive. It's yeah, like, a, but I guess this is what early to mid '90s. You know, the Pamela Anderson effect, right? Like, I mean, yeah, we mentioned Anna Nicole Smith. That was what was in the buxom blonde. You know, sort of, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you. Never really been my type. Um, so, but yeah, I don't know. There's just something about it. I think, but I honestly think it's a lot more her personality too. Like in watching this and just the way she is, she's the thing that I appreciate about the character of Tina is that, you know, you think she's this evil femme fatale type person who can get what she wants, but she's sweet. Like you get this in this opening mm-hmm. scene with Stanley, like from the get go, you see, and that's why I think she's so good at acting in this, that you kind of see it in a face and a mannerisms that she's falling for this guy straight away. That, that, that there's kind of something here already with the mask. Like, not to take away from Kirsten Dunst in, in Spider-Man because, you know, we ha- we talked about that for years, but, like, I don't ever think you get a vibe from her when she's hanging out with Peter Parker early on that she's, you know, into him. So it's more that she falls for him because, you know, Spider-Man and everything else along those lines, whereas I would argue that is Tina ever really fully into the mask because you see that in the mm-hmm. scene later on in the park that she's kind of almost grotesque, you know, grossed out by him. So anyway, I just, she even says like, Oh, it's only because of his dancing or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Like that's what she's blown away by. Um, so anyway, but she's just got this like cuteness and this uh, personality that she has. I, I love like, just, I love Charlie that he's just kind of like the wingman in the bank and he's just always like, Oh, like she's mine. And then all of a sudden always gets like shut down. But I was going to use my opening line <laughs> again. It would have been the most random one of all. Cause nobody quotes this section from the mask when he's like going over all the bank accounts. We've got uh, savings, checkings, checkings and savings, <laughs> savings, checkings and CDs, CDs and checking CDs. And we can just grab all your money and shove it in a mattress out the back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just kind of love the way he does that. But you're right. Like just in the way he kind of like, does these mannerisms where he's never fully over the top Jim Carrey as Stanley Ipkiss. Cause even mm. when he's doing like the tongue thing, like all jokes aside about this being me, this is what I do. I do stupid, awkward things. Cause I'm like, Oh God, what do I do? There's a hot girl talking to me. Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I play with ties and stuff like that. Like it works. You also do kids. that when Noah's on the episode. It's I do. kind of happy birthday. Noah. Happy like, birthday, Noah. Yeah. I hope, I hope all is well in Noah land. Um, but yeah, like with the pen and everything, it's really great. 
Um, I never got this as a kid. I never understood this camera and like why Dorian's watching it. Like I just, I never understood it. It took me a lot longer to realize. Not even it. when they try to rob the bank. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know what I thought this scene was. But I, this I, isn't I, like a penis sticking out of the no. back. I mean, it's not that hard to but, put together. But, but I'm sure, like you've got movies that, like in hindsight, are really obvious, right? Like I don't, like I don't think I ever fully got Jurassic Park what Dennis Nedry was doing as a kid, like because you're there for the mm. dinosaurs, like you don't understand the actual plot of the movie. I'm here for Jim Carrey as the mask spinning around and being a cartoon. So like as a kid, am I fully understand? that Dorian is trying to, like, take over the town and be the gangster from this other guy? No. I just thought, like, oh, he gets a golf ball hit out of his mouth. Okay, that's cool. Um, but, yeah, this kind of scene where we set up with Dorian's friend as well, who's he's off something too, his friend who ultimately dies. He's, he's off something. Maybe the other henchman? Yeah, like, the, he's sort of the main henchman who, who gets killed. Mm. But there's just, I mean... Everyone talks about, like, Jim Carrey and his facial expression mannerisms. Absolutely. I mean, that's the star of this film. But Peter Green has this kind of thing, too, where he's just got, like, this real... It's like a cartoon gangster. Like, when we did James Bond yeah. Jr., like, you know, it's going to... Like, it's a, it's a classic cartoon. But this is what this movie is and how he's kind of like, oh, and I'm going to give him a wake-up call and I'm going to take over. See, I'm going to be the king of the town. See? Like, it's just kind of... And that's what I appreciate about this movie. It is a live-action cartoon. Uh, yeah, the mechanics are hilarious and just typical mechanics um I, I love the the coco bongo club and just the setup of it and i love like this is a mystery of charlie like he's just kind of like almost the the cool hanger on a dude who you kind of feel is a bit like stanley ipkiss like he's not really that cool but then like he shows mm -hmm. up to this club and he's got these two like very attractive women and then he says to like the bouncer who's ultimately one of dorian's goons it's like, hey, buddy. He's like, Charlie, how you doing, my friend? And like, yeah. kind of lets him in. So like, he's got connections. He keeps getting into the Coco Bongo. So Coco Jumbo, Coco Bongo, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> what did I say last week? The Tracy Jordan, the Tracy Morgan. Um, <laughs> Tracy Jordan. But I, I love it when he gets kicked out. And it's like, you crossed the rope. No one crosses the rope. <laughs> um, yeah, overacting valet guy. Hilarious. I love it when this car breaks down. It literally collapses. Like the way he just kicks it once and the whole thing collapses. And I love that thing that Jim Carrey does where he kind of just like pushes his arm like very dramatically where he's like, no. Um, very like, again, having just watched uh, Bruce Almighty recently, very similar scene in Bruce Almighty when his car breaks down and he's basically, you, you oh, know, yeah. bemoaning God. Um, I love that line. I'm just looking for my mask. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Mrs. Peeman's great. Like, I don't realize that she's actually in the movie later on in the in the charity ball scene. If you pay attention to that woman who's like screaming at the mayor later on, that's her. Um, so she's well connected as a building manager. Good for her. Um, I love the classic cartoons. Like, I I loved the Looney Tunes growing up. So like, I kind of love that style. And Tasmania reference. You see a Taz pillow on oh, his yeah. couch. So yeah. Um, the score of this movie, I love the score. So every single time, like, he transforms. Mm -hmm. My favourite one's kind of after, before he goes to the nightclub when you've got that really dramatic scene. But, yeah, it's very almost scary, like, when you see him kind of, like, pulling his fingers down his face and just turning the transformation. I love it when he looks into the mirror. It's like, that's correct, Wendy. We all wear masks, metaphorically speaking. <laughs> like, when he's, like, impersonating <laughs> Ben Stein. But, yeah, I mean, the the quote machine that this is, I mean, it's... It's one of these films that has been so quoted. You've seen these clips so many times that it, it almost is just... It's not a 
annoying, but you're just kind of like, oh, here we go. Here's the here's the moments where you know. But I mean, there's a reason behind it. You know, the somebody stop me and smoke it. Did you ever see the Saturday Night Live skit where it was like Jim Carrey meets his family? They did a similar one with Adam Sandler, where basically it was the entire like Saturday Night, like it was the Jim Carrey family reunion, and they're all like. Jim's like there and every all his family show up and they're all basically like playing characters from all these famous movies. And they're all like, Jim, how do you get inspiration for all your roles? Like, it's so uncanny that how, you oh. know? And so like somebody comes in like acting like the mask. Somebody comes in acting like yeah. Ace Ventura. There's an Adam Sandler one as well where they're kind of acting like all his famous characters. It's quite funny. Um, but yeah, the whole like sequence with the clock... Uh, when he's bouncing around, um, and then just I love like the eyes coming out of the head and the look, ma, I'm roadkill. Ah! <laughs> One of my favorite ones. I've been where they film that, so that actually was filmed. Uh, Warner Brothers in Hollywood, they've got like their they call it like the New York streetscape. So it's like about three blocks they've recreated to kind of look like New York. So every outdoor scene in Friends you see was filmed in this set. And true story, that is the set where they filmed the Spider Man kiss. So in one of those alleys, and I think it's ah. the same alley that he runs down, that is where they filmed the Upside Down Kiss in Spider-Man. So when I did the tour of Warner Brothers, like they point out and they actually point out, they go like, oh, that building facade there is where Jim Carrey falls out of the window for the mask. You're like, oh, cool. Um, so I've, I've stood where Jim Carrey was flattened right there. Uh, I love the gangsters. And I just watch the gangsters' reactions when he's building the balloons. Like, I want to know who these actors are because they're hilarious. Yeah. Because they've kind of got, like, this look on their face, like, oh, well. And then when the dog was like, sorry, son, dog was rabbit, had to put him down. <laughs> like, <laughs> the guy looks so sad. Like, he's like, oh, my dog. Um, poor old Bette Midler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but also, apparently the condom bit was completely ad lib. That was Jim Carrey. That was, like, that was not in the script. That was Jim Carrey just going like, I'm going like, to, I don't know why Jim Carrey had to use condom in his pocket, but, um, <laughs> but I also love it when he's like, he jumps off the thing and he's like, these are incredible. I could do everything with these. I could fight crime, fight for world peace. But first, uh, and then shuts things up the, uh, ass. I love the cop. I love the Lieutenant guy. He's really good. Oh yeah. Um, he's, he's beating things. And Doyle. Doyle oh, is Doyle. like the, 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 the best minor character in this movie. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Which also, um, one thing that I, I read the trivia on, which I'd never noticed before. I know I'm kind of maybe jumping a little bit ahead here to um, our journalist. Actually, I'm not really jumping ahead to the journalist for an hour because we're kind of uh, about there. But Peggy. So when she goes to the mechanic, she says that she's from the, uh, the Tribune or the Daily Star and then when she introduces herself to Stan Lipkiss, she says, like, I'm the other newspaper. So one, she tells them I'm from the Tribune. The other, she says she's from the Daily Star. So as they point out in the trivia, she could be a freelancer, but clearly she's not because she's got, like, a permanent column at one of them. So that's kind of like a bit of a nod to her being a bit of a shady character, which I thought was quite interesting. Ah. Um, and the other bit, too, which uh, it's one of these ones that, like, Typical movie when it comes to if you actually freeze frame on a newspaper article, which you're never meant to. Um, when when Charlie shows the article for uh, Tina in the club, so if you actually read what it says, they go out of their way to write the opening paragraph. So it's like at first glance, you would think this singer is just your average torch singer. Tina Carlisle's rev up the Coco Bongo and simply explodes. I'm like, all right, that's a weird way to open it. Then it goes into. A suggestion that public hearings on applications be limited to one every six months was taken under advisement by the commission. 
Uh, so <laughs> I love they just they go for the opening line and then they just do not actually write a real article for yeah. it. So that's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of this stuff, it's just, it's just fun. Like it's just, it's a great setup. And I think this is like, again, Ace Ventura is Ace Ventura. He's just the one character. He doesn't sort of have two sides to it. Uh, Lloyd Christmas in next week is exactly mm-hmm. the same. Same character, no two sides to it. This is like the real first time he's kind of had that two sides character, isn't it? I mean, he do it in some other movies, but I mean, this is like a real significant leap in between Stanley Ipkiss and the mask, which is just, it's mm-hmm. just fun. Yeah. I would say almost three sides. Cause we get like the real, the combination of the two at the end with yeah. Stanley. Um, yeah. There, there's a lot for Jim Carrey to act with in this movie. And I really got to give him credit for taking the gamble because he, he filmed Ace Ventura, but they didn't really know what that movie was. They're casting him because of what he had done as a stand-up comic and what he had done on In Living Color. Uh, and you're taking a gamble. You're going to do a movie where a guy's playing a dual role mm. uh, with a pretty decent-sized budget that requires quite a bit of acting and playing a real character. Like, I don't know how extensively they screen-tested him before this, or it was just an offer that was made. But, uh, like, that's something that, like, I, I don't think you could ever get away with that nowadays. You know, you never take somebody who's on Saturday Night Live and... You know, hand them. I mean, maybe if they're on Saturday Night Live, uh, but like this is we're talking about the secondary Saturday Night Live. You know, we're yeah. talking about Mad TV, <laughs> which I mean, you never like. I sort of loosely will watch Saturday Night when I was just in New York. I watched a bit, and but like I think with Saturday Night Live now, you don't really have that star power anymore, do you? I think it's been yeah. a while since you've had a, a big name come out of Saturday Night Live and and have a movie that kind of you know was that. But yeah, I think that. It, it's amazing they did that. But, like, of those actors we talked about, uh, I mean, this would be a different movie if Robin Williams was in it because, obviously, he was a big star at the time. But, like, I could see Robin Williams in this movie. I think that's the one mm-hmm. where you... Uh, different type of comedy, but... Short. Yeah, I could see Martin Short. Was Martin Short a big deal in 1994? More so than Jim Carrey, probably. I, I think it was starting to wind down. Well, he was bigger than Jim Carrey, yeah. But, I mean, he was still he still had his own movies. He was still, you know, above the title of the movie. But I think Robin, Robin Williams, though, to me, is definitely, like, very similar to Jim Carrey. They were the type of people that if you ever watched, like, them on Letterman or Leno, like, you knew Letterman and Leno had lost it straight away. They just control yeah. that. They're that outwardly personable people that they just are hilarious all the time. But, like, I could see Robin Williams doing a similar thing to this, which... Again, you're selling this movie completely, but, uh, you know, Robin Williams maybe not as young at this point. And Jimmy's always got, like, you know, that manly hairiness to it. So is he going to play that off with Cameron Diaz? I don't know. <laughs> uh, so uh, when he shows up to work here after the first night is the mask, uh, his boss, of course, they say other things about his boss here. But the, to me, the boss makes a very solid point when he comes in. He's like, You're 40 minutes late. That's like stealing. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm going to side with the boss here. Me too. Uh, now we don't know... Me- Maybe this is a habit that he has where he's frequently late. Uh, either way, I mean, I have employees who, 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 after a couple of times where somebody's late, you have to tell them, it's like, hey, you're going to have to be on time. Like, it, it's five minutes here and there. W- what's the big deal? After a while, people kind of get the idea, well, you're not paying for it. Now, this guy probably is a salary employee. He's getting paid whether he's there the full day or not. Let's just say, for argument's sake, like a lot of people say, well, just don't pay me for the 15 minutes I wasn't here or 40 minutes I wasn't here. I've literally had to say to people, I'm like, we hire for a position where we're staffing for eight hours a day because we require somebody to do a job for eight hours a day. So if you're five minutes late every day, 
we're not meeting what we hired for. You know, yeah. like this boss is making, of course they say later on he's stealing from the company or whatever, but at least this argument, I'm with him. <laughs> Don't be late, Stanley. Yeah, and then he has minutes. the nerve to show up late again. Yeah. Uh, no, I, 40 I, minutes is a long time. I agree. No call. Yeah, I agree. Like exactly. Like what's the, it's, uh, you can call. That's it. That's it's not that yeah. hard. He had a phone at home. He knew what time it was. Yeah. The police are there. Oh gee, I'm going to be late for work. Let me call. I'm going to be late guys. I'm sure everything would have been okay if he'd done that. Um, so uh, the, also when, when they show up at the garage here, uh, the police, this is where we get introduced to the detective uh, where you get them coming. I was like, oh, we're going to need a proctologist <laughs> standing by. Uh, and, and this is where the, the guy who plays, I've seen him and other stuff before, but the guy who plays the main detective here, he's got some really hilarious delivery with stuff. Like when we get the reporter uh, asking him questions here and uh, uh, it's like, uh, uh, you know, do you know, do you have any clue who is behind this? No. And you can quote me on that. <laughs> and she says, it looks like it might've been a mob attack. And he goes, Wow. There you go, guys. Looks like she broke the case for us. <laughs> uh, and uh, so when Stanley's um, uh, showing up at the office here, uh, we see that Tina's made the newspaper. This is the article, as you're mentioning. And uh, this is where our reporter lady comes in, who this is a great swerve in the movie. Like, you don't see this coming. I guarantee nobody sees this coming. Because uh, this is set up like the cliche in the movie where you got... You know, the hot girl and, oh, this is the one he obviously wants. But then you got the the nice girl who's, you know, not as hot, but still nice. And she appreciates him for who he is. And, it, oh, well, Cameron Diaz is going to love the mask. They even go that far in this movie to make it seem like she loves the mask and this lady loves him. Uh, so it, it's an incredible twist they have coming up later on. But uh, when she comes in here and they, they go full sleepless in Seattle, like this guy is sleepless in seattle or he's uh when nice guys finish last in edge city or whatever it is because uh he recognizes her from writing this article he wrote to her because she does like the advice column and all that and she's talking about we got so many letters that well there are women out there who really want a guy like you and of course this is not part of the movie later on which is a, a really good twist um we have uh um the the questioning where uh she's asking about oh no before she even gets to that where she she before she even gets to the car where she's saying i'm here from the whatever newspaper he goes uh by the way i canceled my subscription because i keep stealing my newspaper uh but then when she's asking about the car here do you own a whatever he goes no i uh don't own a car because they pollute <laughs> you don't own this 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 that car right uh <laughs> Uh, and uh, this is where, uh, like I was saying, we have Dorian, who you think is like the the, the real villain, and you realize he's just a henchman because what they're they're, they're using his face as a golf tee for the, this main mob boss, uh, which is pretty sinister in a movie like this. Like this, there are a few things I, I finished watching this movie after the twins got home from school, and I was thinking, I'm like, do I turn this off? Like, there's a couple things in this movie, not just when Dorian turns mask later on, but even things like a lot of the 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 shooting in this movie, the guns, the 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 torture scenes, like a, a golf tee in his mouth. Um, and then Jim Carrey has his dream sequence here where it's basically back at the uh, uh, the Coco Bongo with Cameron Diaz and he's got his fancy car that comes. And th this is the, the scene <laughs> which became part of pop culture. Uh, the kissing scene where she goes in to kiss him and instead licks his ear, which <laughs> is because he's milo is licking his ear which by the way i read this trivia and went back and looked you can see a jar of peanut butter open on the nightstand which is uh, obviously how they got the dog to lick him they just didn't remove it from the set but you could actually see it there is stanley i guess would be the type of guy who just eat peanut butter in bed um i um, think he's the type of guy who probably puts peanut butter in other places for licking uh, but hey 
Uh, he has used condoms in pocket. He probably yeah. does, right? Yeah. But uh, but this scene became so big that I don't know if you ever got the MTV Movie Awards in Australia. I think they were on cable eventually. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we had a we didn't have MTV here, but like we still got those award shows to be shown. And I remember the 1994 MTV Movie Awards. Because again, such a big year for movies like Forrest Gump and Speed and everything like that. And I remember they had the category of Best Kiss. And they start showing the nominees. And it's Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock, Speed. And they're showing them Kiss. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis, True Lies. And then they get to the last one, which is Jim Carrey and Cameron Diaz. And they show her licking his face. <laughs> now, I don't think it won. I think it actually went to Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves. Oh. But I, I can still remember the laughter when that was revealed as Best Kiss. And it's her licking his face. Um, it, 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 it's it's such a great gag. I mean, you could see it coming a mile away now, right? Because I, I feel like this has been... The Lord of the Rings movies did this. Did we watch something else recently? Recently, that did the same thing where there was like an animal. I, 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 I can almost or? picture. Yeah, <laughs> I can almost picture like almost the exact same scene. Like Lord of the Rings, one of the Lord of the Rings movies did it, which was horrible. But uh, wait, there was a, come to me Lord later. of the Rings. There was animals licking faces. Yeah, well, there's there's a scene where Viggo Mortensen, who's like the main human hero in it. You know, he's obviously supposed to be like Thanks it, with Liv that. Tyler. He's with Liv Tyler's character. Well, because she's an elf. That's the whole oh, point, of right? Right. He's human. She's elf. Well, but there's a scene where he's like, he's you know, falling down the river and he's unconscious. And there's the, he's imagining her kissing. And all of a sudden it comes to, and there's like a horse right above his face. Who's like basically <laughs> giving him a little nip. There. I just rewatched Green Book with Viggo Mortensen and there was no licking of faces in that. So, Oh, Mahershala Ali was licking his face. That would have been a great, a great scene. movie, by the way. Can we just point that out? Great movie. I, it's one of those movies. It's like, yes, it is generic. Yes. It's, you know, I, I don't think that that's a white savior movie. I, I think that it's pretty clean for a movie dealing with racism, but like, so is the movie, the help. And Jamie recently watched the help and she's like, I don't get why people criticize this movie. I'm like, the only reason people really criticize it because it's not gritty or dirty enough. And like, sometimes you got to make a nice clean movie. That's just accessible for everybody. You know? Yeah. Um, Said not by everything two has white to have, men. Yeah, well, <laughs> not everything has to have condoms and pockets and peanut butter on genitals. Um, <laughs> anyways. Uh, so Speak for yourself. yeah, the dream sequence here, that, that was, that was great. The MTV gave that a nod. Uh, he um, uh, puts on uh, the mask for a second time here. So we get more of this, uh, stuff. The, the shaving thing is the best where he's doing the over-the-top cartoon shaving and then he uses Milo to dry his face to wipe his face off. Which I never uh, got. And this... I always thought he was polishing his face or something on the dog. I'm like, huh? <laughs> like that was just the wax that he had yeah. put on his face? Doggy. I mean, it looks like it with a mask, Doggy I guess. Wax. Uh, and this is where he has the second iconic mask line, the somebody stop me. Uh, we uh, have Dorian's gang outside the bank ready to break in, but then, of course, Jim Carrey just comes breaking out of it because he's robbed the bank first uh we have him going into the the club cameron diaz singing which is obviously not her singing no uh I, I did have to look that up because uh wouldn't it have been funny that uh my best friend's wedding a couple of years later have you ever seen my best friend's wedding i have not seen your best friend's wedding oh okay have you ever seen uh, i got divorced julie roberts later. best friend's <laughs> wedding no <laughs> uh, i thought i was anyways. your best friend i went there with a joke it it you know Never mind. Move on. Uh, you were there. You were part of it. Uh, but uh, oh, you no, acknowledge the... I'm your best friend. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, I thought you meant we were going to Noah's wedding. Sorry, Noah's uh, <laughs> <laughs> wedding. Come on, this this movie's funny enough. 
Noah's date. We'll have to start with that before we get Happy into birthday, my, my best Noah's my best Noah's wedding coming soon <laughs> from the Austin Network. <laughs> That's a short movie. <laughs> but uh, no, in that movie, uh, I guess the thing that her famous scene is that where she's singing really, really badly. Uh, so I, I actually had to look back and like, is Cameron Diaz really a good singer? And then she just pretended to sing bad, but maybe she actually is a terrible singer. And that's why they wrote it. My best friend's wedding. Yeah. Room. yeah she's, she's doing her big club act here. Uh, and, uh, I guess let's start adding up the famous mass quotes here that are played in every trailer and everything Jim, Jim Carrey will ever be associated with the let's rock this joint. Um, we have the, the, the other henchman who is it's intercutting with him doing his, his big dance scene here with Cameron Diaz, who's saying about uh, somebody else got to the job first. Who was it? That guy right there. Uh, I, I like when he dips Cameron Diaz over and he goes in to kiss her and her shoes pop up. Like, cause even she has the cartoon things, her shoes pop off her feet like that. Um, the, the gangsters come in because he's the one who has uh, beat them to the bank job. And uh, I, this is where he pulls out the calculator and he starts doing that. He's got the bookie hat on. I was like, wow, when you add up the sum in the numerator and then what a long division. <laughs> uh, and uh, this is where he morphs into the cowboy that you, your opening line was. And he has the death scene, the very over the top death scene, which little gags that, that are so good that adds so much to it where he's doing his acceptance speech. Uh, Do you love me? You really love me. And uh, <laughs> then it then has like the audience. You see the silhouette of people standing up in front of an audience screen <laughs> with the, the gangsters and there. Do you ever watch Peter Green that like he like I always watch him because he like all of a sudden changes like so you see like oh, you love me. You really love me. And so then you see like Dorian kind of going like oh shit there are people. So he kind of does his jacket up and he fixes his hair and he's kind of just oh, no. stands there and he's like, like and then as soon as the people disappears like okay and then he pulls the gun out like it's very subtle but just watch him next time you do it it's hilarious that's some of the best stuff in this movie is like the the little reactions that other people have to this like you mentioned the during the balloon scene and doyle's gonna have a great one coming up as well as like the the female officer in, in your favorite scene um <laughs> so uh yeah the the the, the mass bolts and the, the police come in to uh arrest uh, Dorian and his man, man, I call him Doyle. <laughs> Doyle, <laughs> Doyle and Dorian, different guys. Uh, Dorian uh, is uh, getting arrested for the bank job and everything. I love when they're searching. Careful, you're giving me a Woody. <laughs> Something else I definitely didn't get at the time. I'm like, what does Toy Story have to do with this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. Because he was a cowboy in the previous scene, you know? Uh, and um, uh, the the cop uh, when they're, they're questioning him and they I guess they find the the piece of his pajamas. I, I thought this was a tie, but it's actually his pajamas. And mm. he says it later on. Uh, so uh, he says he wants to get uh, all the information on the bank employees because they think it's an inside job. Specifically, wants to look at Stanley because nobody else wears pajamas. Uh, the the next morning he wakes up and he's got cash all in his closet as he's uh, trying to stuff it all back in there. There's some good Jim Carrey physical stuff. Like you, you mentioned about how they save money. They legitimately said they save money on the special effects of this movie because Jim Carrey you know, was able to do so much. A lot of these sequences where he's doing these cartoony motions, like the way that he tilts his body where you know you get the cartoon character who's about to run and then all of a sudden they bolt like Roadrunner style thing. But even just like the physical comedy that he does here, shoving this cash back into the closet scrambling that was ad-libbed apparently too like he added all of that that wasn't meant to be quite that far-fetched yeah well because yeah the frisbee i guess was the added touch where where uh milo's playing with the frisbee here and apparently that just wasn't scripted he just went with it there, there was one thing that i actually read after we finished ace ventura last week that i thought this is a hilarious ad-lib moment the moment where uh they get to the rich guy's party 
And the guy who's playing the cello, he just grabs his arm and like a jerk just jolts it. So they go, again, Jim Carrey just playing around on the set. Uh, master of ad lib. And I, I would we really get this out of Jim Carrey now? I think this is what's great about seeing these early Jim Carrey movies where he doesn't have to stick to his... And, he probably doesn't feel the need to prove himself as much as well. Mm. Uh, but you get these early movies where he's like, I'm going to go all out. I'm going to give them everything that I've got. So they have a lot to work with, uh, which uh, there's another famous story. I don't know where it is in the movie where Jim Carrey had the flu on the set of this. Mm. And he basically told him, I can't do this. And Chuck Russell said like, this movie's not going to survive a day being shut down. You shut down this movie for a day, the movie shut down. So get out there and perform. And that he apparently went out there and did like this physical type of comedy I'm not saying it was this scene, but imagine him doing this, and this is the scene where he has the flu, yeah. and like nobody knew, and nobody they, had a clue. And I, yeah, I read the same bit, and they were basically saying that like if this was megastar Jim Carrey, like a couple of years later, it would have been like, yeah, we can shut it down for a couple of days, but because this yeah. was kind of nobody Jim Carrey at the time, we kind of had no choice, and we just had to push through it. Yeah, and that's why I kind of like imagine that a lot of this improv is stuff we wouldn't get out of Jim Carrey now. Not that he wouldn't deliver just as good of a performance, but. He wouldn't if he's doing improv. It's probably because somebody's specifically asking well, him now. Whereas here, he's like, "This is what I do." I think we talked about that in Sonic, didn't we? That kind of that was really the first film I feel in a long time that Jim Carrey's kind of been like this type of Jim Carrey. Because I mean, yeah. he doesn't do a lot of comedies anymore. He kind of steered away from that sort of after what like Mr. Popper's Penguins and all those. He kind mm -hmm. of just went and started doing a lot more independent and more drama films, and that's fine because I think he's great in those. But yeah, it had been a long time since we'd seen that over-the-top physical Jim Carrey comedy until Sonic. So, yeah, it's something mm -hmm. we don't really see from him nowadays anyway. Uh, I, I guess I'll just quickly uh, wrap up here. Uh, aside from the, the detective basically having the pajamas... Uh, you know, those pajamas were uh, stolen. Like, I love Jim Carrey whenever he's doing the cover stories. Like, a, uh, I don't own a car. Oh, yeah, that car. Oh, those pajamas were stolen. Somebody, I love stole, it, your somebody stole your pajamas. <laughs> this detective guy is so good. Uh, and I guess we'll also talk about the fact that they, they're looking at the bank footage here. So they see the mask doing everything and moving in like his fast motion. Uh, and uh, Dorian has offered a $50,000 reward to whatever. Bring him this guy, the mask or whatever. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of uh, break there. I think you're right when it comes to the twist with Peggy because, yeah, I think that's one of those weird things I remember watching this movie for the first time going like, what? Um, so, yeah, like obviously having seen this movie countless times, it's kind of different you watch it now. But, um, yeah, and I, I like that the character of Peggy is like a much bigger deal in the comics apparently. Um, so, you know, they kind of still keep her in. The Tina was created like that's not a comic book character. So um, another one that they kind of created there. But I, I do like the fact that like she would get how many letters sent in to Dear Peggy or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And you wrote Nice Guys Finished Last. Like, you know, like, well, where's the where's the spinoff of this? Like Sleepless in Seattle, they got all these calls and they were trying to track her down, track him down, all this sort of stuff. Here she's just like, yeah, we got lots of letters. Oh, well. Um. <laughs> yeah, like, don't they feel like maybe you should pass this along to the guy? You have his address. Well, I think, like, maybe does that just not come to the fact that she's a dick? Like, you know, because what does she say? Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, dear Peggy Pace, dick, or whatever it is. I want to be a real reporter. But again, typical journalist is evil, you know, just whatever. <laughs> I'll say real journalist, people who want to do real stories. I've never been that type of journalist. Um, yeah, the golf ball tea scene has always, like, freaked me out. I used to, like, I was weird as a child. I don't know if this was just me, but, like, I used to get certain scenes in movies and pause them and then use, like, the slow-mo tracking where you could go, like, scene by scene. Yeah. 
So like it'd be this one and the bit when he breaks out of the bank shortly. Like whenever there's like an explosion or like something big, I'd like to pause it and go like scene, scene, scene. I'm like, oh, there's the explosion. You see it. And you're like, you see the mm-hmm. cut. And so I, I don't know why. That's, I was weird. I had no friends. Still don't. Um, <laughs> but apparently I'm your best friend. Ah. Um, I always love the dream sequence just because every time I see the original scene, I just always think about this when he's like, cool, Stanley. And like yeah. uh, the subtle little bit where you actually see him with a Porsche. So like earlier on when he's like, you come in with a Porsche and now he's actually got one. Um, but I'd love to like, you know how you kind of get random like reunions, like you'll see, you know, Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox just hanging out or like it's always Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston, like famous couples or whatever from movies or TV shows. I've never seen a Jim Carrey, Cameron Diaz reunion, but I'd love to mm-hmm. see like, Maybe we'll get something this year being the 30th anniversary, but I'd love to see kind of like uh, something around Cameron Diaz talking about her filming licking Jim Carrey's ear, Um, which I'm sure Jim Carrey enjoyed. Um, Maybe Cameron Diaz. Maybe she's into ears. I don't know. This is not on Jim Carrey and uh, um, Cameron Diaz, but like that same award show, I'm pretty sure it's that one. You've probably seen that video. It's like been all over the place where Sandra Bullock is presenting an award and she's reading whoever she was presenting with she was reading their cues from the cue card and she goes so what was it like to kiss keanu reeves and the guy just looked at her like um that was my line <laughs> and she just breaks bursts out laughing because she completely screwed it up can't say i've seen that but i'll have to look it up i did watch uh miss congeniality on the plane uh, last week so great of movie. course you did do you like miss congeniality great movie i i saw most of it once and it wasn't <laughs> terrible <laughs> the second one's fine <laughs> it's not the first one though it's a movie i went on my very first date on as a 13 year old and clearly that worked out well um when he jumps into the mask here and this is where i really love the score that like just sweeping score and then yeah when he's like in this yellow suit which apparently is modeled off a suit jim carrey's mother gave him when he I started yeah. stand up um, you talked about last week about how a lot of people like dress as Ace Ventura now and go like for uh, Halloween. This is this is the suit that people dress up. Like, I've always wanted to dress I, up as a mask. I I think I think it was the same friend that I went to all these Jim Carrey movies with was the mask one year. We had green face paint and had a suit just like this. So we've got photos of him in green green face. Ooh, controversial. Ew. I wonder if Justin <laughs> Trudeau ever wore green face. Um, I just seriously, like, I mean, we don't do Halloween here and I don't really do costume parties, but that's one of my, that and a stormtrooper. I dressed as Darth Vader once, but I'd like to be a stormtrooper. I don't know why. And Darth Maul, but that's a lot of makeup. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I love, what does he say? Like, got to have the green to make the scene or whatever it is. And that's when he goes through the bank. And also the teeth. So, like, apparently they um, had these big fake teeth that were only meant to be used in non-dialogue scenes, but Jim Carrey learnt how to act with these teeth in, so they were able to kind of have all these scenes with, like, giant teeth in them, which is pretty cool. Uh, I love the the bank robbery where, did you notice the truck that the uh, Dorian's men are hiding in? And it's got Edge City Power, service worth waiting for. Uh, basically saying we're going to be late um, but yeah. it's worth it uh, that's like stealing <laughs> maybe this city just everybody's late um but uh i love the limo that pulls up it's like and just this is where we get like some of the best music of the whole movie um i love cameron diaz's song here uh when she's like flirting with all the men and everything but the outside of cuban pete 
uh, probably my favorite part of this movie is also the let's rock this joint. Boom, 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 boom. Hey, part yeah. two, whatever it is. Hey, da, 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 da. like I, I used to play this song all the time. I've still got it. And there's actually when Dorian's on the phone to his goon friend in the truck, you actually hear in the background uh, that Harry Connick Jr. song, I wanna whisper your name, dun, 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 which I think is from the soundtrack of this movie. Like I, think I looked that's up yes, why on the soundtrack, you, yeah. That's why you hear it in the background, which. Bring back Harry Connick Jr. He apparently toured and went to Hobart last year. Get the big names coming to Hobart when I'm not living there anymore. Are you a Harry Connick Jr. fan? Independence Day's Harry Connick Jr.? Oh, he is such an incredibly funny guy. Like, he could be a comic actor, like Jim, not Jim Carrey style, but like at that level of these big over the top comedies if he wanted to. I think he's a better actor than he is as a singer. I don't, I don't mind him as a singer. Uh, it wouldn't be so unless it's a Christmas album. I wouldn't go out of my way to listen to Harry Connick Jr. But like, man, this guy really could have been a bigger movie star. He kind of was the Michael Bublé before Michael Bublé, right? Like he yeah. sort of was that sort of swing sort of crooner guy in a modern world when mm-hmm. these weren't really a thing. But yeah, I always forget like he's a actually a really good actor. Because uh, yeah. what did he was, do? Uh, a romantic? Wasn't he like the lead in a romantic? Comedy? Was, there was one with Sandra Bullock that he did. I think it was Hope yeah. Floats. Yeah. But there was one where he played like a, I think it was a Sigourney Weaver, like seven style thriller where he played the serial killer. And, and you really want to see Harry Connick Jr. as an actor. Watch him as a serial killer. It's kind of like the one that no one ever talks about as an actor anymore. John Bon Jovi, decent actor, I yeah, think. Not I, bad. I, I remember when I like randomly watched Ali McBeal and the big thing was like, John Bon Jovi. Uh, mm-hmm. Which, can I just say, recently being in New Jersey, I, I think we've talked about it previously that, you know, their two biggest names, probably, arguably, Bruce Springsteen and John Bon Jovi. They don't really give a shit about John Bon Jovi. It's all about Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> which I'll be honest, like I've never grown up knowing much outside of Born in the USA. It's sort of not really been my bag with Bruce. So I'm like, okay, Bruce Springsteen, cool. I went to his hometown and saw where he like played. Great. As we're driving along to this place, uh, you see this sign. It's John Bon Jovi Rest Stop. So... <laughs> Of all the things that you can get honoured with in New Jersey, you can pull over at the John Bon Jovi rest stop, (laughs) which is this big, like, you know, building where obviously, you know, travelling along. It was closed. They were renovating it. I couldn't get my photo at the John Bon Jovi rest stop. I had to go to see Bruce Springsteen's first ever (laughs) club. Woo. Uh, So New Jersey, fix your John Bon Jovi rest stop. All right. This fan wants to get a coffee there, apparently. Um... Yeah, this whole dance sequence is great, and just the I just love this whole. It was my opening line, obviously for a reason, but just mm. this whole like moment where it goes on. I love the bald head, like the goons, are, like the side goons. Like you got the bald guy and the guy with the long hair who kind of looks like Willem Dafoe. He just reminds me of Willem Dafoe. <laughs> um, but like I just love that. Again, you watch them; they, they don't really have a lot of lines, but just the way they act in the background is hilarious. And I love like just the way like. You know, where he's like, where's my money? And he's got like the taxing. Well, you got dollars in stocks. Just the way he just over the top. You can imagine how much fun he's having on the set when he's doing all this sort of stuff. Um, and the the whole, he lo- they love me. They really love me. As a kid, I had never seen Sally Field's acceptance speech at the Oscars. So when I famously, like I saw like one of these like famous Oscar moments and then I see like Sally Field doing that, I'm like, Huh? Did she steal that from Jim Carrey? And I'm like, oh, wait, it's the other way around. Like, I I, I get it now. Um, but, yeah, the, I, I do, I will say with, like, the lieutenant when he basically finds the pyjamas on the ground, he's met Stanley Ipkiss once, and he straight yeah. away is like, Ipkiss. Like, he picks up the pyjamas. Like, were they that memorable? Do you have a thing for <laughs> vulnerable men in apartments in weird pyjamas? <laughs> um, 
maybe he does. I don't know. Um, and yeah, the fifty thousand dollar thing, uh, which I think is where you capped it, isn't it? So yeah, uh, yes. I just whisper uh, your name. Dun, 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 dun. Sorry. So uh, Stanley shows up late for work again. This is habitual behavior. Hour, more than an hour late this time on a day when they've it's been robbed. Worse. He should be fired. Yeah, and uh, of course the boss is rightfully so telling him, you know what, pack your stuff and get out of here. Uh, but of course he tells him, no, back off, buddy, or I'll tell your daddy or the IRS that you're stealing money. Now, of course, they have to throw this in here because the boss was right about yeah. reprimanding for his late. But of course, he has to be a crook. Uh, uh, I still have the boss's back, even if he is a crook. Uh, Cameron Diaz shows up at the bank. I, I also think there was a scene earlier on where the bank manager was like, the next time she comes in, I'll take care yeah. of her. Uh, but uh, this is where she has the scene where she's talking to Stanley. And um, uh, basically, he's like, oh, I heard he was kind of scary looking. It's like, well, you want to see him dance, uh, which is really all she's interested in because the park scene coming up later on. He he mentions they're college buddies. In fact, I kind of taught him a few moves myself. Does his little dance thing there. Um, he goes to see Ben Stein uh, and asking about the whole mask thing. And Ben Stein like, are you telling me that you actually wear a mask and it turns you into another creature? <laughs> ben Stein delivery. Uh, and uh, of course, Ben's like, you do realize I was speaking metaphorically <laughs> about masks. <laughs> um <laughs> It's very like uh, uh the, the, I can't remember the name of the South Park guy that mm K uh, uh Mr. Mackey. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Mackey. <laughs> uh but uh he, he just asked him the one question. If I ask you this, will you leave and never come back? <laughs> uh do I go as the mask or myself? He goes, Why don't you go as both? They are both the <laughs> same Stein's beautiful a- people. <laughs> ben Stein's such a good Ben uh, Stein good or Bet Midler. Ben Stein, oh, what yeah. a man! <laughs> I just want to turn over, Colin. That was fantastic. <laughs> ben Stein is a dog. Wolf, wolf. You are the wind beneath my wings. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I wonder if they've got to have been in a movie together. Bette Midler and Ben Stein. They're both old. <laughs> you, they're both old. Yes. <laughs> Like, I mean, I don't know. There wasn't a lot of like movies and stuff back in the day like there are today. So there like, were it's more kind of, maybe. It's kind of like Australian movies, like how like there's always the same actors in everything when it comes to Australian movies, right? They just they just there's that limited. I'm sure well, it's the same with Canada. They were on an episode of Law and Order SVU together. I guarantee. Probably. It. All right. Let's see here. Uh, no, they weren't. Bette Midler was in Oliver and Company with Cheech Marin, who was in Ghostbusters too with Ben. Is Ben Stein in Ghostbusters? <laughs> is he? There we go. Uh, of course, the other thing that uh, Stanley does here is, fine, you asked for it. I'm, I, I'm not responsible for what happens when I put on this mask. <laughs> and this is like, this is very Ace Ventura-like comedy he has here. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That was so good. Uh, and he theorized it only works at nighttime because Loki was like the night god or yeah, something Yeah, we had like a that. Loki mention, which uh, obviously, yeah. you know, is a bit different nowadays, which- but yeah. I think that Loki, from what I read, Loki was a bigger part of the plot in mm. the the second mask movie, the Son of the Mask, which still would have been pre Thor, I guess. But uh, um, you mean that Marvel didn't come up with Loki? Oh, this what? isn't copyright infringement. Uh, Loki's in the public domain. It's okay. Uh, th- now, now here is Doyle being like one of the unsung heroes of this movie, uh, where uh, the the main detective guy is. Uh, 
uh, talking about he wants the prince on Ipkiss and everything. And you just have Doyle showing up there. He's like, did you have pickle relish? And then he goes, Doyle, get in the car. It's like, oh, but I ordered onion rings. And I just love the other guy, Doyle, which I think he does the same thing later on when he starts dancing. Doyle! <laughs> which I, I love that uh, he kind of turned Doyle into like a bumbling buffoon immediately, but it kind yeah. of works. Like, it's just, it's just silly. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, so now's the park meetup where Stanley is there first and Tina's like, oh, what are you doing? I just want to make sure my friend came and bye, I gotta go. He disappears behind the bushes, comes out and he's the mask. This is where he's doing like his, I'm get, guessing this must be like Pepe Le Pew because he's yeah. doing like the French accent. Uh, and you know, he even says some of the lines you definitely didn't get when you saw this movie in the first place. It's like, kiss me, my dear, and I will reveal my croissant. There's some other stuff about pate, doesn't he? Doesn't he say like spread and I will get your dip your pate or something like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it got a lot dirtier after that. Uh, now, there are a couple shots because you mentioned like she seems very horrified by him. Uh, but there's one or two shots where she's like, ooh, ooh, like, I'm not quite sure how I feel about this. Like, there's something that's working for me, something that is in here. Uh, and the, the one of the, the best cartoony gags they do in here is where the police come out. And it's like, all right, police, freeze. And he jumps in the air and he literally just freezes into a block of ice. You said to freeze. All right, unfreeze. Uh, and if we we talked about the, the crying game last week. Well, the crying game came out while they were making the movie. So they decided to fit that joke in there. Now, the mask is being filmed probably around the time that The Fugitive comes out. So I have to imagine that they were in the middle of the movie and maybe Jim Carrey was like, it wasn't me, it was the one-armed man. Uh, that must have been improv because there was not enough time had passed, I think, for that to have actually made it in there. Uh, and another thing that, like, this had to have been improv uh, and how they actually got this past the censors where when the police are, you know, uh, handcuffing him or whatever and holding him down he goes where's the camcorder when you need it obviously a rodney king <laughs> reference guarantee that somebody of the censors didn't uh realize the tenant's reaction where he's kind of like hmm, oh well <laughs> yeah and then when he, when he uh has the um uh the picture of the guy's wife too <laughs> later on because uh i don't even remember what the line is where he puts the picture it just says call me lover and he's like susan <laughs> like, picture of Callaway's wife you yeah. son of a bitch it's like, I thought you had a sense of humor. I figured, you married her! Ah! It's like married like three students. <laughs> and even like when they're doing the body search, apparently the way they did this effect is that his pants are cut off and there's literally just prop guys who are reaching up the, the underside of Jim Carrey's <laughs> pants, stuffing things in there one at a time. They're pulling like every everything in a cartoon you can imagine. There's like a rubber chicken it's and stuff so like that. Funny. I love the one time a guy pulls out, I don't even know. It's like a squeaky toy. Bazooka, I have a permit for that. <laughs> yeah, I have a permit for that. Uh, he switches the cuffs. He tries to make his getaway. This is where we get uh, the, the the Cuban Pete sequence, oh. which you mentioned, like, uh, I, I never even connected the dots of, like, Jim Carrey doing somebody to love and cable guy and then doing this. Maybe he does have, like, a musical side where he He's wanted to be singer. a singer. I mean, somebody to love he, was he released sang- as a single, and, like, it, I think, oh, like, yeah. it charted quite well. Here in Canada, like, our version of mtv much music which was completely different than mtv but they had the much music video awards and jim carrey won the best male (laughs) music video performance of the year 1996 for somebody to blow up beating like actual established singers like brian adams or whoever else jim carrey was the winner and i remember like he wasn't there for the ceremony but he came in to promote whatever his next movie would have been, which I think would have been Liar Liar. And they awarded to him. I said, like, you won that much music video award. And he was like genuinely honored. He was like, I won like a video award. Like, are you serious? <laughs> like as a performer, like he was very happy with that. Uh, but I'm mean, very good singer. I mean, we, we heard him sing now two movies in a row. I don't think he doesn't sing in Dumb and Dumber no. uh, that I remember. Um, nothing in Batman forever or anything like that. So yeah, I might just stop to the cable guy. Who knows? 
Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, this 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 song is so catchy and like his performance is so animated. But like all the little things they do with like the police being frozen and so when, when they cut to that female police yeah. officer, which she, she doesn't even get anything in the movie. But she's again, the, just the, the the reaction she has, where she's like, "These words aren't coming from my mouth. I'm What's really going on here?" Honest guy, I'm going <laughs> an honest guy in Havana, in Havana. <laughs> yeah, see, like this this massive crowd of people who are all, all police officers with their guns drawn, and they're like kind of bopping. Then the best part again, Doyle, who just starts doing like, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> arms in the air, <laughs> Doyle." <laughs> Um, they climb out the wall. Uh, like they're pretty good. Like shut up. <laughs> uh, the the uh, the next scene here. This is where the big twist is revealed. Where uh, the he goes to meet uh, Peggy at the, um, the the printing press. Of course, they're gonna be meeting at a printing press. You got the stacks of the newspaper there. Uh, and um, I, I so want this to turn into More Never Dies or something. I was like, they'll print anything these days. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this, like, seriously, as good as I say the twist is in and how well plotted Ace Ventura is, this twist blows it away because you have been, they're, they're messing with the audience's expectations on a genre here with mm. this twist. And for her to have this really nice scene with Jim Carrey, I, I don't, you don't see a tear in his eye, but like, it's almost like as you're watching him act, he's tearing up. And this is, it's very similar to the, the, the scene where his father comes back in the Truman show, you know, just like the sadness of Jim Carrey and everything. Uh, and her talking about you, do you really think that there's a million women out there who want to honestly no? <laughs> and like you, it's, it's very mean, but then like they flip flop later on where she's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I just had to pay my rent or whatever. Amazing twist. Uh, and then her saying, you said you never hurt them. This is, I'm guessing where they killed her right after that. You yeah, said it's around here that they pick her up and they throw her into the printing press apparently, which I think like, and honestly, yeah. like that they were right to cut that out. I think this feels right. Just leaving it a bit open-ended with her. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, she didn't want to lose her condo. Do you know how much apartments cost in this city? Uh, so the, the Dorian's trying to find out how this mask works now. I swear that Peggy actually says it because he's saying in this scene, you know, I put on the mask and it turns me into whatever. It takes away my inhibitions. It turns me into what you actually really want to be or whatever. Uh, and when he says that to her, when Dorian comes in, I swear she says it to him. All you got to do is just put the mask up to your face. But then later Dorian's like, tell me how it works. Like, shouldn't Peggy just be saying, I told you, like a minute ago, well, you dead. put it she on your face. in the thing. <laughs> oh, maybe that's why, yeah. It's, it's, it's all about the what's been edited out of the movie. Uh, they uh, come to arrest him uh, because Stanley, of course, is the uh, one, or they, they throw him out. That's right. They have him in the back of the car. They come up to the apartment because they're searching around for this mask. And uh, you get Milo, who's playing detective here, looking out the window, going to come to the rescue. Uh, and uh, when they drive by the police station, they just throw him out, all bound and gagged. At the police station, Stanley's um, thrown in the, the, the line. He's like, what are you going to say? Stanley, because he's going to land right in my lap. And he's like, ah! Oh! Yeah, he lands yeah. in his lap. Literally lands in his lap. Uh, so uh, he's at the police station. And, of course, they, they find a fake mask on him, which they should probably, like, hold it up to him and be like, this isn't what we see on the video footage we have. I always uh, thought, but, like, that, that, like, for some reason, I always thought that once he took the mask off, like, there would be, like, like as a kid, I thought that legitimately was, like, what happened after you take the mask off. I didn't actually realize. Oh, like you just, thought this is residue? Yeah, yeah, like I didn't realize that that was just like some like I don't know Yoda mask or something like that. They're yeah, just they just it bought him. it. Yeah, <laughs> bought it at the dollar store. Uh, Tina comes to uh, visit him here at the uh, the police station, and uh, this is I guess the other twist because again we've been led to believe that you know she's the bad girl and she's coming here and she's actually you know saying like I don't I don't I don't like doing this or whatever. And uh, Stanley tells her, you you know, you got to get out of town. If that mask did to me, what, what unlocked in me was probably the things I really wanted to be like this, 
you know, really suave ladies man and and really funny and entertaining. Who knows what, when she says what's going to do to Dorian is like uh, whatever it's going to do to him, it's going to be bad. So you better get out of town. She actually tries to leave here and then gets attacked by the henchman outside. Um, we get uh, Milo coming to the police station and Stanley. I love Stanley doing like his little putting the toilet paper over top of the, <laughs> the toilet seat. <laughs> Are you like that? I I'm not a I do not like to sit down on toilets in public. Uh, to do that mm. if I absolutely can avoid it, like. I always have this Will you squat over it if you have to? No, like, I, just, like, I just don't like doing poos in public. I don't like to sit on a toilet. Like, as a man, we just whip it out and stand up, right? Like, we don't generally yeah. have to physically touch the toilet, which, like, women always go, like, oh, what? That's weird. I'm like, yeah, as a woman, you're already sitting down. So if all of a sudden you've got a couple yeah. of nuggets popping you out, that's, you're already there. Whereas, like, for a man. <laughs> two for one. <laughs> exactly. Kill two birds with one stone. You're good. But, like, with men, we don't have to sit down if we don't have to. And plus, also, we're men. We're disgusting. We're, most men are dirty and don't know how to be clean. Wow. So. I'll say this, um, somebody who has a very honest wife, she has accidentally, we've probably talked on the show, she's accidentally walked in men's rooms before. Um, Accidentally, sure. She's also cleaned bathrooms, and she has said women's room, women's restrooms, way filthier than men's rooms. Like, women are disgusting. It's like, they're going to leave everything on the floor. I mean, guy may miss the bowl, and he'll kind of give it, like, a courtesy wipe or whatever. She's like, no, women way grosser than men. I I, I would love to dig up the episode where she and I, I don't think you were on it, but there was an episode we recorded where she went to a long, long dissertation on how disgusting women's bathrooms are. Makes me happy because I, until this moment, I didn't realize women went to the toilet. I just assumed it. <laughs> I thought they only did number one. Exactly. I just, I don't. <laughs> that was the giveaway with Einhorn last week because she did a number two. <laughs> only guys do number twos. There's no way that's a woman. <laughs> women don't poop. <laughs> and that wasn't a penis sticking out of the back. <laughs> it was just a nugget. She just had a, she had a turd sitting in the back there. <laughs> the prairie dog in it. All, all, all the time when Dan Marino's here. Prairie dog in it. <laughs> Uh, anyways, Milo's there <laughs> trying to jump up, uh, and and I mean I don't know how high he's supposed to be. It looks like ten feet. I'm sure this isn't possible, but again, they, it's well, a cartoony I, movie. I did well. I did read that Jack Russells are capable of jumping like quite high. Like I, I can't remember the exact amount, but apparently a lot of the reason why they made this Jack Russell is Jack Russells are renowned for being able to jump ridiculously high. I don't know if it's as high as a prison wall, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a small dog. I mean, I, I, like our dog, Dizzy, she's, you know, medium size. Oh, she has incredible jumping ability. Like uh, if we throw a ball up in the air, like our, our ceilings are what, like eight to 10 feet? She can probably get up to eight. She, her, she can get her her mouth up to eight to 10 feet to grab whatever's in the air. Like she's 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 air, she's Michael Jordan of dogs. Do, do, do you ever put your uh, children on Dizzy and like let them ride her like a horse? No, uh, I don't think this. She would. She she she's very gentle with kids. If she tried to, she just weasel her way out of there. But we had a dog when we were uh, kids. Coincidentally, my dad named the dog Easy because before he ever had us, he had this dog and he named it Easy because she was the most easygoing dog. Uh, this dog, we would try to ride her like a horse. And she would just sit there and take it. Now, she would apparently have the most miserable look on her face, like a scowling expression. But she wouldn't try to worm out of there or anything. She would just let us giddy up. Giddy, oh, I was going to say Aww. dizzy. Giddy up easy. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, Milo eventually jumps high enough. Uh, and then <laughs> I love the, the, the little things they do here. It's like, oh, good boy. Now go get the keys, Milo. Go get the keys. <laughs> and he's got a piece of cheese. Like, 
I play with like cartoony holes in the cheese slice, not cheese keys. And then the way Milo's like bobbing the head, you mean? And again, Dizzy's totally done that. Like if, if you're like Dizzy, do go get this. I'll try to be pointing like something on the floor. She dropped a piece of food right there, Dizzy, and she's like, no, oh, oh, I don't see it. <laughs> um, eventually gets the keys off the guard. Uh, Stanley escapes, but uh, of course the guy, the guard wakes up. They they run into the the detectives out there uh, coming out of the building. So he pulls a gun on them. Uh, this is where he's going to prison. <laughs> I don't think you can do this. Uh, and, and the last uh, uh, idiotic Doyle thing we have here where uh, the 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 main guy, what is it? I keep calling him detective. Well, he has a name in this movie. Uh, he's uh, Lieutenant Lieutenant uh, Bob. Uh, Kellaway. 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 Lieutenant yes. Kellaway. Well, I guess he, because he's a, he's apparently one of the characters that they, uh, I don't know if he was in the comics, but he they held, held him over into the anime and everything. Yeah. So he's, uh, He's trying to hint like, uh, oh, he's got a gun at my back. I don't even remember how he phrased it. And Doyle's just like, oh, we're speaking Pidlan. Ise ule eterle. Do you ever speak Pig Latin? Did you ever do that? Yeah, I mean, I I, I understand the logistics of how it works, but I mean, I, I, I think everybody kind of gets it. It's, it's not like, like it's a secret language. What do you what, take the first two letters off and then add like lay or something at the end of it or something, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you'd be um, Olene. All in a uh, ilding a. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Uh, Noah Groves can't get a date a. That's all it is. Uh. <laughs> Ore, Rose, Ante, Ete, Ate. Happy and birthday, Noah. Happy A, Earth Day. Lolly. So the climax here, we'll just cover the rest of it. Dorian's come in with the mask. He puts it on. Now, I, I always thought that this was Peter Green, but apparently it's when the mask is on, the actual special effects, it's a completely different actor. Oh, is it? Oh, I didn't know I that guess, either. I thought they just bulked him up or whatever, but like, this is this is a completely different guy. Um, Garrett T. Salo or Sato. Oh, the Garrett, Garrett T. Sato. T. There he is. Uh, what else has he been in? He's been in The Shadow. Um, that's a Billy Zane superhero movie. Same year. So Billy big Zane. year for superhero movies. Pearl Harbor, he starred in with uh, Ben Affleck's dong. He was the dong. (laughs) (laughs) Ben Uh, Affleck doesn't need a dong double. And he was in the Wolverine, which I just watched that movie recently. uh, The Hugh Jackman Wolverine movie. Um, But uh, yeah, so different performer in this, but like terrifying. Like as an adult, I'm watching this. I'm like, I'm feeling really uncomfortable. Like when his eyes start glowing and he's like doing that growl. Uh, And Peter Green's scary just on his own, but you have the special effects guy in there. That's crazy. Um, the uh, uh, most of this here is just like gunfights, gun standoffs. I love when Stanley comes in and uh, he's left the Kellaway the in the car with Milo and everything. And you see Milo like kind of setting up what Milo's gonna do in the credits where he's got the window open. He's just sort of peeking, hmm, I wonder if he needs my help. I love Stanley and and uh, the the Charlie here with their guns because they come in like secret agents. And I'm just saying, like, what are these guys gonna do with guns? Which is the entire point of it. As soon as like, all right, I'm going to do this. And then they just get caught right away, which I don't think we literally, I literally don't think we see Charlie do anything until the very end of this is all resolved. Like he's not in the action scene or anything or in the background. No, because he, he's ferrying people. That's what Stanley says. Him, like, you need to ferry people out the back. And then he just kind of has that arrest those men. He's like, I've always wanted to say that. Yeah. Uh, so um, Cameron Diaz gets tied up here. Uh, I love the way they use this club to stage it. Like it's one of these old fifties movies. Like she's literally tied at a stake sitting on like an island with like lava around her or something. Cause they, they use that whole thing with like the draining as if she's like uh, being sacrificed to the gods with or something with like a that. a giant pig with money in it that says war orphans, <laughs> war <Yeah>. orphan funds. <laughs> okay. I, I, what is, 
The reason for them having this at a charity function, I guess, is just because we didn't get the bank robbery, so we're going to steal this money instead, yeah. like just make them really bad guys. But I, I didn't even catch what you said about the landlady is here. Like, this is an She's, elite gig. Yeah, the the so the the mayor, a bit like when, when they're like holding guns to him, you hear that woman shouting like, don't you know who he is? And then at the mm. end, when you got that woman like screaming, like coming out, like that's the landlady. Uh, the, uh, most of this here is just gunfights. And then you have, uh, uh, Cameron Diaz talking, um, uh, Dorian into taking the mask off. I just want to kiss you, the real you one more time, which he does. Uh, she then kicks the mask out of his hand and flying through the air. We got Milo with the mask landing. Now this is the only special effects that I feel like don't hold up. Uh, and it's supposed to look cartoony, like everything. One of the reasons the effects hold up in this movie, we talked about like the look of it, that whole 40s, 50s look, but the effects hold up because it is meant to be cartoony. The only problem I have with the, the Milo sequence is that everybody else who's wearing the mask is in a prosthetic mask. Milo is a fully animated thing. Uh, it's still funny, but it's just, it's the only thing that looks like 1994 effects. But some of the little things they do with Milo here, like especially with the lifting the leg uh, and just the very exaggerated, like snarling teeth and everything, it's hilarious. Uh, and, um, uh, Milo eventually loses the mask or I guess Stanley takes it off. He dies behind the bar. He comes out and he's the mask again. And, uh, he, I love, he has pulls all these guns out, like the most mm. massive arsenal under two arms anybody's ever assembled. And then everybody runs and you just have the little bang cartoon arrows. Uh, and the most genius way to end this movie is, uh, what do you have to do? You have to have a, uh, toilet bowl handle, he, he t takes up like the, the brush, something else from a Looney Tunes thing. You brush the toilet bowl handle on there uh, and he flushes it, which flushes Dorian down the drain of this little fountain or whatever. Uh, and of course, the bomb's still there, which he swallows. Uh, and of course, as he swallows it, that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> <laughs> Which apparently is off a famous commercial. I don't know if you knew the commercial they're talking I, about. I didn't know what it was. I always thought of it as a mask thing. Yeah, so did uh, I. But it's a, it's a quote from a famous Italian meatball commercial <laughs> in the States. So, sure. A weird way to end this movie is, I feel like this should have been just Kellaway coming in and saying... Well, you know what, Stanley, I know that you, you know, did the bank robbery thing, but the money's all been returned and you did save the day. But instead he's like, I'm still, you still got to answer for everything you did. And then the mayor, a guy we literally have never seen in this movie before, who they have to multiple times tell you, that's the mayor. Oh, this guy, you're the mayor. Yes, I'm the mayor. Oh, hello, Mr. Mayor. As the mayor, I'm going to pardon you for these crimes. Like, it feels like such a convoluted way that you could have just had the detective say, you know what? You're forgiven, right? We didn't see anything. Now get out of here, you know, and don't get any still, more. Still broke out of prison and held a gun on a cop. But I mean. Exactly. Yeah. Held him at gunpoint. Uh, and he was late for work twice. <laughs> I know. Okay, 40 minutes to an hour. What are you going to do? You're going to let him be two hours late tomorrow? And, and he, he's just not going to show up at all. And he trod on Mrs. Peeman's. Brand new carpet and got it muddy. Exactly. Didn't even have the, 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 the common courtesy to wipe his feet when he came in. Loud cartoon. She's trying to sleep. Come on. Exactly. It comes at two in the morning, blasting his cartoons. Oh, just, he's know, the worst. Reason, he's the reason that America doesn't work anymore. Okay. <laughs> this is why America needs coaching is because of people <laughs> like Stanley Ipkiss. So you're about to say this is why America needs Trump. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good turn. <laughs> Why is Colin wearing a red baseball cap? Um, <laughs> Bring somebody from Suriname to whip this country into shape. <laughs> wow. They, they got it right. Um, and then the other thing, which I, I don't know if I love the end of this movie, for one thing, because Stanley knows how destructive this is, and he just 
says, I'm going to throw this mask exactly back where I found it, which we literally see two people go right after it. And apparently there is the original ending they shot because you see like what Charlie and Milo fighting over this thing, diving into the water. Uh, it actually was supposed to end with Charlie getting the mask. I don't know if he was going to put it on or something like that, and that that was their setup for a sequel. But it also doesn't really make sense because we saw earlier when when he throws the mask away, the mask wants to come back to him. It comes back to him. But so Tina when throws the it away. Care. If you notice, Tina grabs it. She throws uh, it. Oh, okay. And maybe it wants to come back to her. Uh, it hasn't wouldn't. had a shot at her yet. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this obviously, you know, I don't know if it was supposed to be a setup for a sequel, which they had the plans for the sequel. They didn't have Jim Carrey actually contracted but that's one of the uh kind of fun trivia bits about this movie is that they were not weren't necessarily in pre-production but they held like a contest or something like that to win a walk-on role for the the mask too but then when jim carrey's decided he wasn't going to do it and then the movie wasn't going to get made without him they had to issue like an apology we're sorry for whoever won Aww. this contest we'll give you like a nice consolation prize poor person uh, but, sitting uh, out there waiting that actually that's that's <laughs> probably how jamie kennedy got cast he was the one who got yeah. uh won the walk-on <laughs> It's like, oh, sorry, Jamie Kennedy. Would you like to be in a sequel anyway? You can be the star. How else does Jamie Kennedy become a star? Let's be serious. What happened to Jamie Kennedy? Is he okay? Do we need to check in on him? He was funny for five minutes. Jamie Kennedy or Bette Midler? Jamie Kennedy. I don't know. Yeah. Like, he, like, I, hey, I, I used to love the Jamie... He was Jamie, in the movies. I used to love the Jamie Kennedy experiment. It was one of these random shows that lasted like five minutes in Australia. But then, like, it was just... Because I like a good sketch comedy show. And I was like, oh, this <laughs> is funny. Um, But I, I've never seen the Scream movies, so I can't say I know him in those. Oh, uh, yeah, he was one of the good things about them. Uh, and there's a lot of good things about them. There's also a lot of bad stuff. Uh, but anyways, yeah, sequel never got made for this. But I feel like this is the one Jim Carrey movie that a sequel kind of makes sense for. I mean, you could have done a sequel to Ace Ventura. You did do a sequel to Dumb and Dumber. Uh, the Mask feels like it should have had a sequel. Like, I'm kind of surprised he hasn't done that. And I know there's been talk that, like, he might have be doing, like, an Ace Ventura 3 now, or at least be in, in discussion about it. Well, they're remaking it, it, aren't they? Didn't Amazon sign some deal and they're, they're, they're doing something which scares me? Like, come on. But I, I think it was after that that Jim Carrey said he he would be open to doing it or is talking to them. But this is the one that I feel like he should do if he's going to do a sequel. But anyways, that's The Mask. I, I just on that quickly, though, like, I mean, we, we, we're talking about how we don't need another Twister, we don't need another Jurassic World. There's just something, like... Too much time to me has passed for to see a sequel to this. That's the thing. Like, I, no disrespect. I feel like this is one of those where the time that's passed would make it better. Yeah, but, like, we saw Dumb and Dumber 2. Like, Dumb and Dumber 2 was better than it was meant to be, but there was still just something off about seeing Jim Carrey and yeah. Jeff Daniels at that age doing the same type of comedy. So that's what would make me scared if I was ever to see Jim Carrey in another Ace Ventura or The Mask. Like, it's just... I feel it's going to be the same. Like it'll be better than you think it's going to be, but at the same time, it's not going to be the same because this type of comedy and humor isn't really relevant anymore as well. And uh, when you see your stars older and they're doing the same thing as when they were younger, I don't know. Don't bring up Madonna. She can still do it. Um, but anyway, but um, just quickly before I go over everything, uh, Bette Midler and Jim Carrey have a uh, Baker number of two. So uh, Jim Carrey was in Saturday Night Live, 40th anniversary special with Fred Armisen, who was in Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore with Bette Midler. So Bette Midler has been in a movie with Roger Moore. So oh, there you go. Bette Midler Roger Moore have met before. They need to meet again. Oh, like, come on. They were in Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore. When are we covering that? Um, hello, Bette. How are you? <laughs> nice pussy. Um, <laughs> Don't say that. Lovely ben. party. <laughs> Colin doesn't get the jokes. Um, 
Right, so you basically covered the entire movie, didn't you? Uh, so there you go. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, yeah, the the like being late. I'm with you. Uh, they always just have to add a weird subplot to make this guy like irredeemable. Like, oh, he's stealing money from daddy or whatever it is. Okay. Um, one of the, it's similar to like what I said before about like uh, the lieutenant. Like, how does he recognize that after having met Stanley once with the pajamas? Tina's technically only met Stanley like one and a half times too. Like I, I get yeah. like their meeting was like very good and I'll, I'll, you know, not contradict myself by saying like just their chemistry and everything was great. But like, why does she need to come back into the bank to be like, hey, yeah, I don't think I'm going to open an account anymore. Like, did she leave with these forms and not come back? And is this like a 90s thing? Or yeah. You couldn't go on the internet and do it. I mean, the only thing that I would add as to a reason why she's back is because she knows the mask robbed the bank, so she's trying to find out more information and she just happens to know Stanley, so it's kind of like using him. So, But then also she's not Peggy. She's not evil. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's that. But I, I love the kind of trope of like, uh, oh, yeah, I know him, you know. I went to college with him. Um, just sure, like, okay. Spider-Man like, and Peter Parker, right? Is, is there more questions that should be asked there? Like, so has he always had a green face? Like, I mean, was this a condition? <laughs> um, like, what's wrong with Can him? Can I catch it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I kissed him. Like, will I have green face tomorrow? Oh, my lips, they're feeling, they're feeling numb. What's going on? Um, I love the scene with Ben Stein. And I just, I just love when he puts the mask on. He's like, you! And it's like, I, I'm not a professional, but you should seek a help of a clinician or whatever it is. Um, the park, I love the park that's called like Landfill Park. Yeah. Like, it's like they didn't even go out of their way to like rename this into something else. It's just like, yeah, this used to be a rubbish dump. Um, but I do love his over-the-top Pepper Le Pew. Are we allowed to say Pepper Le Pew in 2024? He got cancelled a while ago. He's a bit rapey. Um, but <laughs> I just, yeah, all the things you don't get as a kid, like I'm going to dip my croissant in your pate. And it's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. He means sex. Um, Colin finally got that joke. Oh, that's... <laughs> but I just love the way Jim Carrey like handles this scene, like with the whole like, like this, the breaking of the fourth wall moments that he does when he looks into the camera and he's like mad, uh, and then like the freeze, freeze, and then just even the bits when he gets there and he's like, you know, like as you said, like it wasn't me, it was a one-armed man. It's like, what are you gonna do to me, chief? What are you gonna do to me? <laughs> Which, like earlier on when he did the Dirty Harry impersonation, do we know Jim Carrey was in a Dirty Harry movie? What? So, like, this was a thing that if you read up on Wikipedia. When he's doing a Dirty Harry impersonation, because he does it in Bruce Almighty as well, that he was in a Dirty Harry movie, um, like one of the the la- the late later ones. Uh, I'm trying to find where this was, but he apparently was in a Dirty Harry movie. Which can you imagine Jim Carrey in a Dirty Harry movie? Um, um it depends on the role. I mean, <laughs> he was in the Deadpool, uh, the Deadpool, not Deadpool. Um, where he played Johnny Squares. Um, well, that sounds like a Jim Carrey, Johnny Squares. Yeah. So, but apparently he was in a um, he appeared as James Carey in that movie. But uh, Liam Neeson was also in the Deadpool. Maybe we need to cover. Oh, we got to cover it. Clint Eastwood, Liam Neeson, Jim Carrey. Why haven't we done this movie? Patricia Clarkson. Um, <laughs> what's not else to like in that one? But uh, there you go. If you didn't know that. Uh, Jim Carrey was in a Clint Eastwood movie. Now you do. Um, 
But yeah, like I just love this whole sequence of like everything coming out of his pockets. And I just love the, yeah, the three stooges bit where it's like, you married her, ah, and then like they're handcuffed <laughs> together. And then he's like, do you? <laughs> and he like runs out of the park. Cuban Pete, best part of this movie. So good. Apparently they, they wanted to cut this. The producers and everybody who made this film yeah. was like, this is too long. It's stupid. This doesn't fit the movie. But test audiences fucking loved it. I wish I was one of them because I would have defended this. Like I'm glad... They never imagine if this was like one of these things where it was like years later, this was a deleted scene, and that this like everybody would have been like, Why was this cut from the movie? This part's amazing. Mm. Just him like dancing and everything along with it, too. Um, yeah, the twist with Peggy. I'm glad they didn't kill her because again, I think that would have been too far. But I love like the special effects and Dorian's putting like the mask on, and you've got like all the thunder and everything going on, mm. on top of it. That's really, really cool. Kind of a bit sad that that's not. Um, what's his face as he acted like that kind of ruins it for me thanks Colin um, you ruined we my- take back every good thing we said about Peter Green yeah damn it um, but obviously he's kind of doing like the voice still because you can kind of hear yeah. it's him still um, I love it when he's in the the prison and like he goes to kiss Tina and he's like can I just have one more minute and I love the way that Cameron Diaz delivers that line of like it kiss and then, like, the mm-hmm. way she goes. And there's also one of the goons earlier on says, like, oh, you can ip-kiss your ass goodbye. Like, they're just ip-kiss puns. Ah, ha, ha. Um, I love it when he's, like, yelling at Milo. And it's like, come on, Milo, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Put some effort into it. What is this guard doing just falling asleep? I mean, I guess it's a cartoon. Like, Duh, I'm going to fall asleep. Um, but, yeah, I don't, like, get, like, it was kind of two movies in a row where we don't really get the villain's like he wants to steal the money, but then he wants to blow up the club. Like I guess he's like motive is he wants to be the the head mob, mob guy of this town because he kills the guy mm. in this scene. But like, why does he have the TNT? Why does he want to blow up the club? Like, because he's evil and he can, I guess. Um, but I love the bit when he like sucks all the bullets up and he uses it as like a machine gun oh, to yeah. kill. He's like that looks really really cool. Um, yeah, the, I love the whole, like, fight sequence between Stanley and Dorian because I love it when he's, like, punching him up and he's like, I'm winning! And then, like, he just, like, gets Dorian just, like, punches him out. Uh, it's so funny. Um, and, yeah, the Milo... Like, one thing that is kind of... I've never been a fan of in this movie is Milo putting the mask on. I don't know. That, to me, like, in a movie that's already very cartoonish and silly and it's meant to be, that's the one part where I'm like, this is just dumb. Like, I don't know why. I've just always been annoyed by Milo puts the mask on. Just something that has annoyed me, but it's silly and it's the mask. What else do I want? Um, yeah, I love the guns, the the bang over the top moment as well. Spicy meatball, hilarious. The mayor, sure, um, because he's there. Why not? I, I don't have a problem with the ending. I've always liked the ending of this movie. I kind of like them like almost driving into the sunset, all three of them in like this convertible and then throwing it over the thing. And then you kind of hear the the swing music going in there when they're fighting over it with the mask at the end. And yeah, I, I think I did read that this was meant to end with Charlie putting the mask on and it was kind of meant to set the sequel up, which mm. ultimately the sequel we got was terrible. Never seen it. Don't want to see it. Uh, and then finally, Jim Carrey and Cameron Diaz kiss and we get that smoking at the end because why wouldn't you? Great movie. Great movie. Uh, and critics even thought of too, especially yeah. after Ace Ventura last week. Golden this movie, Globe 80%. as well. For, well, a Golden Globe nomination, I should say. I didn't realize he got nominated. Yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of the reviews you find are directly referencing, hey, this is so much better than Ace Ventura. 
um, like like Roger Ebert uh, and Siskel and Ebert both give this two thumbs up. Uh, and they basically were talking about the differences between, um, you know, the, the Ace Ventura and this, uh, they much prefer this, the, the Jim Carrey's better used as an ingredient instead of as the plot. Uh, they both like Cameron Diaz, uh, just describing her as, uh, what's the, a true discovery. Um, and, uh, also said the latest example of technique overriding the written word in an American film. I have no idea what they're talking about. But it sounds smart. It's just clearly smart guys. Uh, <laughs> That's how I live my life. I don't know what they're talking about, but it sounds smart. Uh, this one, uh, it doesn't say who the review is from. It just uh, quotes somebody is writing, it misses perhaps as often as it hits, but Jim Carrey's manic bombast, Cameron Diaz's blousy appeal, and the film's overall cartoony bombast keep the mask afloat. Uh Really strongly, 80% is still to this day. That's really good. Uh, and you already mentioned the... Uh, Golden Globes, Jim Carrey was nominated, uh, but also was nominated for the Razzie, which we went over last week. Got nominated for an Oscar this movie as well. Yeah, it got visual effects, and this was in a competitive year. I mean, it lost to Forrest Gump, which you know, probably deserved to lose to Forrest Gump, but uh, uh, still, like, this was the kind of the birth of like big blockbusters doing different things with special effects. And this is what we I, we kind of miss now. We don't want everything to be like Avengers and DC movies and Star Wars movies getting these effects because the, the effects are used sparingly in this movie. Um, uh, so yeah, it was nominated, uh, Forrest Gump won that award. Uh, he lost the Golden Globe it, too, by the way, to Hugh Grant for Weddings and a Funeral. Four Weddings and a Funeral. Uh, also yeah. nominated that year, Johnny Depp in Ed Wood, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Junior, and Terrence Stamp in The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh. Uh, you mentioned about how this was the most profitable superhero movie until the Joker. Uh, this one, it must be a worldwide, but I'm actually reading here that of the three movies in this year that this one made the most... Don't think that's the case because I'm looking at the overall box office for 1994 and Dumb and Dumber uh, outgrossed this. Uh, how many spots higher is it on the yearly list? Dumb and Dumber is sixth highest grossing of the year and this was ninth highest grossing. So 119 million uh, is what this made um, domestically, uh, but still in the top 10 of the year. Just ahead of Pulp Fiction, uh, just behind Speed, Clear and Present Danger, Dumb and Dumber, The Flintstones, The Santa Claus, True Lies, Lion King, and Forrest Gump. Wait, we've now, done a lot I wasn't of those on movies. I know. I was going to say I wasn't on the Lion King episode, but we did that. True mm. Lies, Santa Claus. We're going to do Dumb and Dumber. We're doing this. Uh, speed. So six out of the 10 highest grossing movies of the year we've already covered. And I um, think of all of that, I've never seen Clear and Present Danger, but I've seen every, like, the Flintstones is one of those random ones I loved as a kid. It's been so long since I've seen too, it. It probably yeah. doesn't hold up very well now. I don't know. But uh, John Goodman, Rosie O'Donnell, Halle Berry, what's not to like? Um, but yeah, don't scoff at Halle Berry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> come uh, on was that a first movie wasn't it <laughs> uh it might have been yeah i am at least her first big movie uh, this opened number one at the box office uh it opened with 23 million dollars knocking forrest gump off forrest gump had been out for a month already uh other movies out true lies which was in its third weekend was number three Great the client in its second weekend was number four lion king in its seventh weekend number five it could happen to you with nicholas cage who didn't do the mask settled for 8.1 million dollars in sixth place uh, Angels in the Outfield, I just Speed, watched. Lassie, and Black Beauty. A random, Angels like, in the Outfield? I was like on the plane and I'm just like flicking through the most randomest movies. I'm like, oh, Angels in the Outfield. That was like the, the baseball Mighty Ducks as a kid that I used to watch. And it is surprisingly dark, that movie, um, but also <laughs> kind of odd. Uh, maybe not as great as I remember, but it was still weirdly entertaining to see young Joseph Gordon-Levitt be adopted by Danny Glover and Christopher Lloyd I being an angel. Why not? 
I always like there's like three baseball movies that are out at the same time. There was Little Big League, which I think was about a kid who managed a team. There was Angels in the Outfield. And then there was the one where the kid, uh, Rookie of the Year. The, that was my favorite one. The one where the kid broke his arm, but then could pitch and he pitched in the major leagues. Uh, that one was amazing. Not eight? Yeah, I remember Angels in the Outfield. And, and uh, that's the one I haven't seen. I need to I need to get on the the uh, apes <laughs> and uh, Matt LeBlanc uh, baseball uh, one next. But, I think we just need to do uh, Friends Bad Movie Month actors. We could do that. Like the we Paul really got to do like uh. <laughs> actors we like acting opposite animals because we got to do that Rene Russo one with the the chimp and then <laughs> Matt LeBlanc and Ed. <laughs> we could do um we could do uh for Richard for not for Richard for Pora. What was the the other one with Hugh Grant and Sarah Jessica Parker in it that ripped off for Richard and Pora? Um, the, oh, uh, the, one. did you hear about the Morgans? Yeah, so like it's Hugh Grant oh. op- acting opposite a horse. So. And what was the one with Danny Glover, Operation Dumbo Drop? Oh, I used to uh, love that, that movie. Was, yeah. That's got, um, uh, I think that was the only time I ever saw one of the guys from Cool Runnings in it. It's got Sunka from Cool Runnings. He's in that movie. Oh, is he in it? Yeah. Oh, I've got to watch that one again. Did uh, you yeah, see that, they did be a month for next year. Did you see randomly uh, in the last like couple of months, the four main guys from Cool Runnings reunited and they had like I shared a that, photo yeah. of it? How great was that photo, by the way? Yeah. Uh, one star reviews uh, on IMDb, I guess. There's, there's oh, two here that I'm going to single out. Uh, one is just uh, from Kelly72245, wrote, Scary. Uh, and the review simply says, This movie gave me nightmares as a child. I still think about it in fear. Jim Carrey haunts my every moment. Everywhere I go, I see his face. Do not recommend for children. Uh, and uh, where's the other one that I found here? Uh, oh, this one. Oh, this is just bad. Worst movie ever, maybe worse than Back to the Future 2? Oh, oh. Strano, uh, I had to watch this three t- I had to watch this three times against my will. Wife, kids, you know. <laughs> What's the you know one there? The wife made you watch it, the kids made you watch it, you know. Mistress. Uh, hated, hated it more each time. Absolutely unwatchable and utterly irritating. I cannot give zero stars, so my one star is for the dog. Uh, <laughs> I like the one above it from Habakkuk18552. Not funny. I didn't like this movie. I didn't laugh out loud. It is confounding how this is successful and how so many people like it. The plot is ridiculous. The script is an insult to intelligence. Okay. <laughs> uh, plot keywords. I have a feeling we're going to get some good ones out of the mask. Jack Russell Terrier month. Ooh, this one's for you, Ben. Uh, we have the mask. Beethoven. Yes. Oh, yes. Crimson Tide and the Secret Life of Pets. Beethoven. Love uh, that movie. Uh, how, how is there a Jack Russell Terrier in Crimson Tide, a submarine movie with <laughs> Denzel Washington and Gene it's Hackman? It's like Notting Hill. Uh, it took place in a submarine. I'm going for <laughs> Hyperbolic Physical Distortion Month. Because um, why wouldn't That's you? That's a graphic. Featuring Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, The Mask, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and oh, The Emperor's New Groove. I love that movie. <laughs> uh, Frame for Robbery Month, Female Stockinged Feet. Oh. That's very specific. What's that going to be? Titanic, I already did it. Uh, Psycho, Superman, and Scary Movie. Oh, 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 oh. Bend Down Exposing Cleavage Month. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> featuring The Lost City, Back to the Future, Melina, and Mother! Exclamation mark. Uh, money Falling Through the Air Month, Colleague, Colleague Relationship, uh, Damsel in Distress. These are now getting Animal very Animal Licking obvious. Someone, Animal Licking Someone Month. <laughs> I found Ben Down exposing cleavage. Uh, uh, object returns after rejected month. Oh, this <laughs> ought to be a good one. The mask. Click. Oh, I'd love to do click. click uh, the movie. gods must be crazy and oh God. All right, let's close it out with object in rectum month. Uh, <laughs> 
featuring the mask, three kings, caged fury, and the good, the bad, the weird. How is Pulp Fiction not on there? I don't Jackass the movie's only number five? I mean, come <laughs> on. Uh this movie is a buy. This Yay. is gonna be a it's, it's a it's a month of full buys, I'll spoil it. Um rankings wise, I am very torn on this. Because I feel like this is a much better movie than Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura is just a laugh a second. Uh, but this is an all-around good movie. It's a very well-made movie. Uh, the story's great. The twists are great. Uh, Jim Carrey's performance is so much stronger. But, I mean, in the end, I feel like if I'm going to choose one of these movies to watch, there's a reason why I know Ace Ventura by heart, and I don't necessarily know this one as well. Uh, it's a lot closer than I thought it would be. I, I was genuinely tempted to rank this higher just on like how good of a movie it is. But I'll go with Ace Ventura slightly above this. Genuinely tempted. The Colin Hilding story. <laughs> <laughs> um, ah, it's a buy, absolutely. And it's number one for me right now. Uh, again, I, I said it multiple times. This should have made my top 50. I don't know why it didn't. If I do a redux, this will be in my top 50. I love this movie. And every time I watch it, I just, I straight away go like, oh, this is why I need to watch this movie more. And I've kind of been on a bit of a Jim Carrey fix recently where like I probably in the lead up to this month, yeah, I watched like The Cable Guy, I watched Liar Liar, I watched Bruce Almighty. Um, and yeah, I, I stayed watching this because I knew we were covering it. But yeah, it's it's going to come. I mean, ultimately, I feel Dumb and Dumber will take number one because that did make my top 50. Who knows? I might absolutely love Man in the Moon. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, this movie is just so damn good. Uh, yeah, Dumb and Dumber next week. Uh, yes. This is... I'd I'd put it up there as the the three great comedies of all time in my opinion. Um, I think that there's uh, Bullfinger, which is my number one. Uh, Dumb and Dumber would be my number two, very closely behind. And the third one of all movies would be Nine Months with Hugh Grant, <laughs> Robin Williams. Those are the three movies that like I will still to this day laugh the hardest at. And I, I feel like with Dumb and Dumber, nothing. You did mention yes, it does feel like a '90s movie, but the jokes are still so good. Uh, and I feel like you probably almost laugh harder at it now than you did the first time. This isn't something that like diminishes over time. And the soundtrack, like, oh, oh. I love when we get to do these movies of this era and you get a really good soundtrack. But like, I've got stories about how my my experience of trying to get the mask to actually see that in theater where I'm like, oh, it's sold out lineups around the block. I had a similar experience just trying to get the soundtrack for Dumb and Dumb. Like, I remember wanting the soundtrack so bad, having seen the movie, I think twice. And my mom her going to Costco because she's like, Costco sells CDs, you know, and they're cheaper than if you buy them in a music store. And I'd give her my allowance. I'm like, get me the Dumb and Dumber CD. And she'd come back, they didn't have it there. And it was like two or three trips to Costco before finally she came back with that Dumb and Dumber soundtrack. I'm like, yes. And I think I still have it in a drawer over here. Oh, I thought your mom would have connections. She probably, you know, slept with half the, act- <laughs> the singers on the soundtrack. I mean, All the crash test dummies didn't even have to leave home. <laughs> well, that, that's where I discovered the song. Because mm-hmm, it also yeah. always reminded me. The thing about Dumb and Dumber that it never gets credit for, it's actually a lot more of a, a deeper dark, not darker but like it's an emotional story like it's to yeah. me like not to take away from Jim Carrey getting nominated for a Golden Globe for this film for The Mask he could have easily got nominated for Dumb and Dumber like everyone just thinks it's like dumb like if I'm picking ranking the movies based on dumb adolescent humour as it said last week with Ace Ventura uh, of the of this The Mask and Dumb and Dumber Dumb and Dumber's at the bottom like I think like that's got like yeah it's a bit immature at points but the heart of the movie and the emotional side mm-hmm. of it overtakes anything else and I mean it's obviously not just Jim Carrey Jeff Daniels is incredible I love yeah. love love Jeff Daniels and he's now one of these actors that 
I'll probably watch almost anything he's in, particularly his TV work recently. Like the Looming Tower, the Comey Rule, like so good. The Newsroom, oh my God, I loved the Newsroom. That made my top 50 shows of all time. Like just love Jeff Daniels. So it's so good. And Lauren Holly, I remember having a oh. weird Lauren Holly phase because I remember, do you remember the movie Turbulence with like her and Ray Liotta? Yeah. Like I used to love that movie and I'm always like, oh, it's Ray Liotta and Lauren Holly on a plane. And like, why not? Did you ever see the show she was on, Picket Fences? I think I saw bits of it. Yeah. Um, There's a woman in uniform in that. I think, the, and also the reason why I loved her so much was because she was like with Jim Carrey, my favorite actor. Yeah. And like, it was kind of like one of those things in the 90s, like, oh, they're together in real life. So, you know, it's it's fun. But no, I, I absolutely love Dumb and Dumber. I, I'm, I, I'm obviously hosting it. So it's going to be interesting because, again, as I mentioned last week, I've got a, the copy I've got is like the extended cut or something. And it's, there are some scenes in it which I I've actually, seen it I don't like the scenes that they like. There's the, the extended scene in the bathtub where they, they make Lloyd almost very homophobic. And like, I know there's kind of like things they allude to in the movie which make it a bit like, you know, and again, we talked about it last week, but they just add bits to it which just, I think, diminish his character a little bit more, which I can see why they removed it from the theatrical cut. Uh, it's another one of these ones that I remember taping of TV, so I know where all like the commercial cuts are because I used to watch it so much. Um, and it's just so many random lines which I never got as a kid, which now are hilarious. Like Aspen, California, beautiful. <laughs> like I never got that joke. Uh, I never got that. <laughs> I was expecting the Rocky, Rocky Mountains to be a little bit rocky. Then is that John Denver's full <laughs> of shit, man? And yeah, the Samsonite. Like, and I wish I had. I haven't gotten the T-shirt, the slippy, slappy, swabby. Oh, Samsonite! I was way off. And the other one, which is actually a T-shirt of, it's one of my most random favorite quotes in the movie, which I didn't realize was a famous quote that's now on a T-shirt. It's like, big gulps, huh? Awesome. Yeah. Well, see yeah. you later. <laughs> oh, we would quote that to death. <laughs> <laughs> just like, and I, I used to always do the whole, like, uh, <laughs> you spilled the salt. <laughs> Bad luck. You got, to, you got to throw it over your shoulder. Oh, so many things. I'm getting too excited already. <laughs> yeah, but- this will be at three hours of us just quoting oh. and then laughing in between. I'm uh, laughing already. And I haven't <laughs> even watched. I'm just thinking of him like doing a shit on the toilet. Like I was, there was somewhere recently where I had to like go to the bathroom for a while. And then I just had this image of someone knocking oh. on the door. What are you doing in there? Shaving. <laughs> <laughs> cleaning my teeth. Oh, it's, it's laxatives. Like, like I like not going into too much detail. Yeah. I had to take some like laxative at one point in my life recently. And it just reminds me of Dumb and Dumber. For fast, oh. effective relief. You seem like a regular hope, guy, Harry. <laughs> I hope I remember when when, when we get to uh, this next week, uh, the laxative store, I have to go along with this one. <laughs> and I, uh, used, I, mean, I always thought they were legitimate forms of currency, like as a kid. I always thought that was like actual currency. And then I finally get the joke, like, those are IOUs. They're as good as money. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so excited for Dumb and Dumber and then Man on the Moon after that. Uh, we also got 24 going on right now and uh, pretty much wrapping up Scott Pilgrim, I think, this week or next week. So uh, go back and listen to the other ones and then uh, listen to whatever we have to say at the end of it because Rossi is worth it. Uh, he's worth your Rocky. time. <laughs> Rocky is worth it. Uh, so yes, fun stuff. And then the Oscars are uh, approaching quickly. So with, I think... 10 Best Picture nominees. We're going to be recording pretty much the beginning of March. So um, you'll be hearing lots of us within a couple weeks. But that is it. Uh, my name is Colin, and oh, I ordered onion fries. And my name is Ben, and look, Ma, I'm Roku. <laughs> Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. 
Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)